Hey, awesome nerds. Welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, a podcast where we rewatch shows that we really enjoy and talk about how some of the themes, characters, and concepts could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host, Jeremy, and I am joined by uh, my friend Meek, who, is, well, for most of the week was off stealing dresses and dancing around near a fountain and getting photos taken of them with her bestie. With a disposable camera as well, because I'm retro. Disposable digital camera, I feel it was. Or was it an actual digital camera? I just I think it was a digital like it camera. Oh, it was so old. It's, I mean, same, same. <laughs> For the young kids, a digital camera was something that, <laughs> like, a, like a mobile phone now, mm. except you couldn't mm-hmm. make calls on it. And all it did was yeah. take pictures. Yeah, and it was excessively chunky. Uh, yeah. And you would lose them a lot when you went out at night. Like, a lot. Yeah, pretty much. There would be a lot of um, lost and found in the bar. Which would just be, um, mm. I have no idea. I never mm-hmm. worked in a bar. I'm sure that a lot of bars had them. Yes. No, 100%. But speaking of bars, uh, there is a bar mm. crawl in this episode, which is making some <gasps> nice segue. We are talking about episode four of the 2007 series, uh, Gossip Girl, or the first season of mm. Gossip Girl, which is Bad News yes. Blair. Uh, it yes. is directed by Patrick R. Norris and written by Joshua Safran, who actually went on to do a lot of the production and writing on the new version of Gossip Girl, the one that came out 2021, which we shall not speak any further of. Because I haven't watched it. <laughs> exactly. Because it's not, we haven't it's not the OG. It. It's not. The I'm OC? It's it. not the OC? No, no. The OG. I don't know what the OG, original. The original gangster? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, Gossip Girl is original <laughs> gangster, for real. Yeah. This is In definitely upper, what... Um, upper East Side. Yeah. And this is a spoiler-free podcast, save for the fact that in mm. the very final episode, uh, it is revealed that Dan Humphrey is Gossip Girl. So <gasps> as you are watching through these episodes <laughs> these episodes with us, please remember that, as uh, we mm. certainly will, and we will have thoughts yes. and opinions on it. But episode four is Bad News Blair. As I said, this is the mm. episode where Blair is thrilled when her mother, Eleanor, chooses her to be the new face of her clothing line. Serena and Dan are reminded once again that they come from two very different worlds. Nate and Chuck indulge in a boys' weekend to blow off steam after Ivy Week. You know why I like this episode? Because there's a plot? There is a plot. <laughs> that helps. No, why, why, Jeremy, do you like this episode? Firstly, because... Chuck doesn't interact with anyone except Nate. Uh, and that's probably mm. how Chuck should operate on most occasions. It's like, mm. if we can isolate Chuck from the rest of society, that would be really good. Nice. Uh, and Blair is adorable. Blair is peak Blair in this. You just want to give her yeah. a hug. Oh, 100%. 100%. This is where we start to see beyond the layers of the onion. That is Blair. She is more than headbands and high couture. Um, I would if have you said this episode, the layers of the onion, I would have said we go past the very icy castle walls that you can always see inside <laughs> and you notice that there's just a scared little girl inside there and uh, yeah. she's very lonely and it's sad. It is. Yeah. It is. But we also get to meet, uh, we first, this is the first time we meet non-pilot Eleanor. That's true. It's a different actor. Been- Yes, recast. It's uh, Margaret Cohen uh, now. Yeah. Yes. Which um, I will admit I thought it was Sally Field <laughs> for quite a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can absolutely see that, 100%. I think in one area of my notes I actually have, wow, she went from this to the Amazing Spider-Man series? What the hell? Not I was, quite. I Not was quite. way off. 
I mean, one could talk about like what did Blake Lively, did she do? Traveling Pants would been before this, right? I think Traveling Pants was before this. Yeah. Yeah, and then this, and then you know, what's the one and the time traveling one she did? That beautiful movie. Time Traveler's like, Wife is like the forties. Is that it? The time travel no, movie called The so. Time Traveler's Wife. There is a time. Well, there is a movie called The Time Traveler's Wife, and it is kind uh, of about time travel. But I don't think Blake Lively's in it. I think that was Rose McGowan. Um, my knowledge of Blake Lively outside movies like The Town and The um, Age of Adeline. Sure. Okay. It's like a super. It's. I haven't actually watched it. I've just looked at the costumes in it. If I'm being entirely honest, and I've watched clips of it, but she's like stunning. Anyway. I mean, you can say that for any movie that Blake Lively appears in, actually. So, you know what? That was a completely unnecessary piece of information that I just added. She, she re- they really show her off in this episode, too. It's like, it is very clear that Blake She's Lively is... She's a ray is, of sunshine. She is. She's a ray of sunshine. It's very much, this is a, a professional model and actor. Mm. And I, yeah. I, I kind of feel bad for Leighton Mista standing beside her a lot of the time. It's just, Well, they're just... Yeah. They're, they're, the different types of bottles, though. Like, if you put Leighton Meester in, like, a high-end, you know, Chanel or, like, Yves Laurent or, like, one of those types of commercials, she could sure. do high-end and does. There's, like, I'm pretty sure she's done, like, an agent provocateur or something mm. of that ilk. Oh, most definitely. Um, I had not realised that um, that Leighton Meester's blonde. What in real life? No. Yeah, she's she's naturally blonde, no. and she had dyed her hair for all of Gossip Girl to be brunette. No, it's. <laughs> I can't imagine her as a. She just no. Wait, is it like it? <gasps> no. You heard it here first, folks. The live Google has commenced. Ooh, <laughs> Meek is not pleased. <laughs> Judging by the expression, she is not pleased by the no, result. No, I don't. I don't, I'm not, no, no, I'm not. I, it just, I don't know. Maybe it's because I only know her really as, but I'm looking at one as well where she's particularly like, like heightened, like peroxide blonde and it's, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It, mm, okay. Well, it's, well, that's, it's kind that's of that's a piece of information I have now. It is kind of key that she is a brunette in this episode because it opens mm. with, with this recreate, well, I'm assuming it's a recreation of Breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, since yes. I have never actually seen this film. <gasps> That's what I have seen. It's <laughs> great. Well, it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird, but I don't Breakfast think I've Breakfast at Tiffany's really is a bit it. weird, or yeah, is it? Who is? Yeah. I know it's Audrey Hepburn. Who's she opposite? Yes. Is it Cary Grant? Oh, okay. Now you're you're out of my wheelhouse to be. Okay, we won't worry I about know. it then, uh, yeah. because <laughs> despite the fact that it opens with a Breakfast at Tiffany's reference, the title of the episode "Bad News Blair" comes from the 1976 Walter Matthau uh, Tatum O'Neill film "Bad News Bears," mm-hmm. which is about uh, mm-hmm. an alcoholic ex pitcher um, t- mm. teaching. Basically, it's Mighty Ducks, but for baseball. Baseball. And a good twenty Fabulous. years before Mighty Ducks, it was the I believe it was the the first of that sort of film, where it wasn't quite as kid friendly as they became later. But the the adult who's down on his luck uh, teaches a loser, lovable group of losers. Got remade oh. in uh, two thousand and five with Billy Bob Thornton. Ooh. Yeah. Well, it, it's, 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 it's a very tenuous link then to the actual episode because Super there is tenuous. like. A baseball mentioned at one stage. 
Yes, the um, and it's not well, relating we'll get, to Blair. We'll, we'll get to that scene in a moment because this yes. this opening scene yes. kind of sums up everything we're going to see about Blair or feel mm. about Blair during the episode that she's yeah. heading to a fashion store or hotel. I don't know. Either way, she's going there and she sees Serena in the window having Tiffany's. <laughs> Tiffany's in the jewelry Pens- store, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Why is there someone having breakfast there then? Because they have a cafe. Oh, in the, like, okay. in the Fifth Avenue Tiffany's, there's like an actual restaurant and cafe and stuff, which if you're someone who can't afford the jewellery at Tiffany's, what you can afford is an extremely overpriced coffee, you go there. And you serve this in the window, it seems, according to, to Gossip Girl. Oh. <laughs> yes, with like, again, teenagers in French-made costumes, which is totally everyone's okay with. Yeah, I don't even know what's going on there. Either way, Blair re- kind of realizes that Serena is in the. This seems to be her dream to be yes. in the window, but Serena is there instead, and she yeah. has a little bit of a, I guess, a tantrum. She's like, "No, this is mm-hmm. this is my dream. I'm getting pushed out of my own dream," and mm-hmm. wakes up to come downstairs to discover that, I guess, Eleanor too. Would that that work? Mm-hmm. Second Eleanor. Yes. Um, oh. Yeah, we just call her Eleanor now. Yeah, we'll just call she's, her Eleanor. She gets, in this episode, she gets more screen time than the first one anyway. So. That's true. And I don't think they change yeah. her again, so it, well, it's fine. Either way, she's having uh, breakfast with Serena um, oh. on the couch. Which, um, <laughs> oh, this And they're this having is, a great time. They are. Yeah. Eleanor's mm. kind of treating Serena as an equal. Yeah. Um, having a good chat and talking about the new line mm. of coming back from Paris and a whole, mm-hmm. whole stuff going on and... Um, yeah, it seems like she's what she's got a her line going into a big wine store. Bendels. 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 Ben, is that a real place? Blendles. Yes. Okay. Bendels. I don't know. Is okay. it like Macy's? Everything in Gossip Girl. When it comes to fashion, it's it's like the it'd be like if if Macy's is like Maya, Bendels is closer to a David Jones, if not fancier for our okay. listeners. Okay. Yeah. And where does Sears fit in? Oh. Sears is Kmart. Mm. Well, no, not no. I don't. Mm. <laughs> like, Sears is gone. No one cares about Sears anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's just say that. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. So, David, okay, it's Bendel. a slightly more upmarket department store. Yeah. 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 It's okay, nice. Cool. Cool. I get mm. that. I, I, that works out for me. I can track that. Uh, so, that, yeah, that's yeah. a big thing. That's a big thing for her. Uh, mm. And it's gonna they make come, her legit. Yeah, legit. Well, she's already got a store in Manhattan. I feel that's pretty legit already. Yeah, but it's kind of the idea, like when you've got just your own boutique store, you know, you might have four or five of each piece and, you know, people come and buy it. But if you're in a department store, it means you're going to have to produce, like, en masse. Yeah. So it means that, like, her so production it's kicking, is going... It's kicking it up a yeah. notch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically, uh, Blair's mother has leveled up, uh, if we're going to use use uh, role-playing terms. <gasps> Could you be a fashion designer, Bard? I would say it's a yes. a form of like. I would honestly. I don't know how you inspire it... people, though. Yeah, I would make it an artificer instead. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and you're well, kind of weaving the magic cre- into the clothes. Oh, I like that. I was going to say yeah. college of creation, Bard, as well, but. No, you're right. I do like the artificer with her. But then you could also say, like, in that instance, you could go, like, some kind of enchanting, you know, any kind of magic, really, that way you can enchant an object. 
I'm pretty sure there's something in wizard spells you can enchant. Probably. Stuff. Most of the spells for, for artificers just come from the wizard spells, so. I was just imagining some kind of, like, seamstress bard who, like, you know, like those cosplay repair people at conventions? Bless their souls, by the way. Captain Patchett uh, has saved me multiple times. But, like, just imagine, like, hot glue gun or whatever the fantasy equivalent of a hot glue gun is. And to inspire you, they just, like, fix up your rip seams or, like. So it'd just be, like, a mending wand or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound that heroic. No, you've got a mending wand because you've got a mending wand and then you've got, like, a little prestidigitation one to get all the, like, mud and dirt off it. And then you've got another one which just kind of fires yes. sparkles out. So when you walk along, there's a, a, a little gust of wind that will, so your cloaks billow oh as you gosh. walk past. I, I mean, kind of I'm, love this idea. I'm I'm loving this idea as well. I think I'm going to have a lot of nobles who hire just one mage to walk behind them and do this for them. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he walks Imagine. in the room and just, there's a, all there's those a used in wizard school to yeah. just become a tailor, <laughs> essentially a glorified tailor. Not even a glorified tailor, basically a glorified FX guy of yeah. just walking behind this someone. It's like fixing up your clothes and a valet of yes, I know, sir. Yes, you want the cloak to billow properly, sir. Yes. <laughs> Oh, I, I didn't study it. necromancy for 10 years to be a cloak billower. <laughs> yes, no, nothing, sir. In this economy, though, in this economy, <laughs> yeah. you'll take whatever job you can. Yeah. You're going to yeah. start somewhere. I didn't flunk Stay out of the vacation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love um, it. That's going to be great. Anyway, but Eleanor, Eleanor was great. She's here loving, is loving she, Serena she, and being snidey to Blair. She's horrible to Blair. I mean, she's a mum to Blair. I don't know. I mean, I feel that she... she okay, you know what? She is an Upper East Side mm. mother to Blair. Oh, she's very waspy. Yeah, she's like, a wasp if your mother, mother yeah, yeah, Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening. Like, if your mother hasn't made a comment about your weight at some stage in your life, then... I mean, I, I was going to say no, Unless... but then, yes, my mother has made a comment about my weight at some point in my life. See? See? But Blair's uh, a teenager. You don't make comments about teenagers' weights. It just that's <laughs> you don't do that. Mm, or their eating you habits. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. Yeah. That's right. Mm. You shouldn't. So this is bringing me to my my theme for today, right? I think this episode's okay. largely all well, his My takeaway from this was all about like I think this is backstory, right? This is telling us a little bit more about Blair and why she's the way she is and why her actions are the way she is, especially with yeah. her mom. And then we find out a bit more about like um, you. Know, we find out a little bit more about Nate as well later on this episode. And do we? Well, um, do we? Well, okay. We will. We, we'll we find, we'll find about Nate later. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about Nate later. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like this kind of idea is like when you're writing character, right? Like I think having your parents, you know, kind of treat you badly is like a very rogue classic, you know, or they abandon you or uh, I don't know what other edgelord character you want to come up with. But this is classic backstory, right? You know, growing up you didn't get treated the way you want to get treated and now you want to, you know, and then as players we take the stuff that happened to us in our younger lives. And we put that into our characters and then we, you know, try and deal with it at a table with snacks and voices and, and occasionally and nice, skirting way too close to reality. And a nice goblin that helps us with our therapy session. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think that's exactly uh, what's going on here, that we do get more backstory and motivation for Blair. Because, mm. yeah, we already know that her dad left. 
um, for another guy, um, another model, and that's kind of what happened prior to the series. But Blair seems to have always been the way she is, and you can't say, oh, she's changed when her dad left, and this sort of explains why she has always been like this. Mm. And the um, her dad leaving kind of triggers why she hated Serena so much up until last episode when they finally had their little little clean slate um, yeah. cry. And they didn't hug, which is sad. They should have hugged. But this is them trying to rebuild, or Serena certainly trying to rebuild that relationship. And yeah. I think you're right about the theme of Blair's backstory. I think there's also the theme of their friendship. Mm. That we're seeing yeah. what their friendship has been like over these few years because when when um, Eleanor makes the comment about um, Blair eating the croissant I think it's a croissant either way and she has to put it down yeah either way makes a comment about Blair eating the croissant and Blair's obviously really upset about it. she glances at Serena who then puts down her croissant almost immediately it's like if mm. you don't get to eat it I don't get to eat it yeah yeah which yeah yeah, that's very much a Serena thing to do, like to be super mm. supportive, even if she disagrees yeah. with something. Like, doesn't like what's happening, but it's like, I'm going to support you because you're my friend. Yeah, and it's kind of beyond their control. Yeah. No, but it's kind of nice. I think you're right. Like, this is establishing them and their little, like, you know, their little party, I guess. They're very tiny little party. Um, and it's, been, it's something I've always wanted to do in a game that I haven't had the chance to yet, which is like go into a game having pre-set up with a fellow player a connection. Like I love, you know, like Critical Role, like Vax and Vex, I think is such a beautiful, amazing thing that they went into it, you know, going to be twins. Yeah. Um, have you ever had that? Have you ever done a game where you've like set up player connections before it started? Like, you know, you're playing with your bestie or your brother or... I, as a group, I have. Um, yeah. For my own characters, not so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not that I can remember off the top of my head. There's been a couple of times where people will have set up that our character, like a, a married couple that I played with, set up that their characters were in a relationship. And that was yeah. just like, Cute. we was going to, because the last time that they played characters, they hadn't. They're like, well, let's yeah. try and, and do this. And then there'll be other issues to go, well, other drama to go along with that because we'll play in, lean into yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I don't cute. think, I generally don't do that with my characters that I can remember. Mostly because I'm the one mm. running the game, I find. <laughs> so, yeah, look, that's probably also part of it. That's also part of it. I've got a new art coming up in, a, in my one player game. And I'm trying to hint at there's one player who's also playing a monk, but very different. And I'm kind of like, oh, maybe when maybe our monks know each other. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe no? we train together. Okay. Yeah, yeah maybe we I, went to this. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I really try to push my players into doing something like that when they start out. And even to the point where I've got the rules from Fiasco, where everybody at the table has to have um, a connection oh, yeah, with the yeah. person sitting next to them. And I go, so we're doing this, and this is a really great way to like get character connections going. And every single time, people are like, "Yeah, but maybe not." Because there's going to be that one player who's like, "No, I don't have any friends because my family abandoned me, and then they died three times, and no one's ever loved me." But it doesn't have to be family. Uh... It can be this is this is the guy that you bumped into on the road and now he's pissed off at you. It's like, it's just a connection, just one little connection. It's just all just anything. Jeremy's so desperate. Just anything, guys. Any just, type just of anything. Connection. I'll just, take it. Oh, if only, if only. I would yeah. love a, a few. I remember there was one game I ran where um, 
there was a half-orc in the party. And one of the this is a brand new player, never played before until he sat down at the table, but a friend of his had brought him along and they were playing a human. These were all pre-generated characters, if I remember correctly. And basically... Mm. At a certain point, he's like, yeah, I want my this half-orc, I don't know, he's like 17 or something. And the other guy was like, I want to play my human like a little bit older. And the half-orc yeah. player decided, maybe I'm looking for my dad. And I just went, no, your friend's character, that's your dad. <gasps> oh. And you've only just found out, and that's why you're traveling together. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what was even better is I think killed the dad. <laughs> <laughs> So then you got the, uh, like, revenge or, like, uh, no, avenge? Avenge. Yeah. Avenge plot? Do you call it an avenge plot? Vengeance. You call it a revenge plot. plot. Vengeance. There we go. Vengeance. That's a better word. I didn't think that's it. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I've been watching um, Batman stuff, and vengeance is very heavy oh. into, into that. But anyway, back to mm. um, back to Gossip Girl, since we won't get into the whole Batman <laughs> and role-playing games this time. Uh, so Serena and Blair are off to, well, Blair didn't know they had plans, but Serena's taking her shopping, which is nice. Yeah. I like that they get to, to get a, a girl's day, I guess. Is that what it's called? A shopping yeah. day? A good fun shopping trip, which is them. Yeah. That's exactly what we call it, Jeremy. A girl's yeah, day. A girl's day. I don't know. I don't do shopping. I, I live <laughs> online. I just order stuff and it shows up at the door. Oh, I miss shopping a little bit. It's 2021. This is what everyone does. Yeah. But they have those beautiful big bags that remind me of New York. Not that I could afford anything. Such but, waste for know. the big bags. I thought the littler bag, the more expensive the item. Sometimes. Like, definitely like a Tiffany's, right? The smaller, yeah. the better. Apparently. Um, I don't know. But, yeah. Whereas, personally, when I have bought jewellery from New York, it came in a massive box, like three times bigger than the item that was actually being purchased. I use, now use that box as my dice box. So hey. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's quite good. Amazing. Speaking of expensive stuff from New York, Chuck mm. and Nate are going through the suite. We get to see the couch, which mm -hmm. is great. Chuck's mm -hmm. couch. We love it. Um, they're hiding all the expensive things. They're yes. putting away the, yes. the watches and the baseball yeah. um, mm -hmm. that Chuck has, which is the only connection to baseball in this entire episode. Yeah. Which is um, the the baseball that Babe Ruth hit his home run for when he called his shot at, um, oh, I don't even remember it was, but it's a very famous thing. Yeah. Yeah. Me Sport. I knew the name Ruth, like, no, I was going to say I knew the name Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and that's not it. I knew the name Babe Ruth. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'm not I sure know. what her batting average was like. <laughs> I'd say pretty good. She didn't play good. for the Mets. She didn't play for the Mets. Probably. No. No, Probably. neither did Babe Ruth. Um, so <laughs> that's Either my sports way. knowledge for this week i'm done i'm out <laughs> uh they are hiding this ball um mm. because they are having the post ivy week party yes uh they're having all of the juniors over they are now i'm guessing all the kids are now that the the reps aren't looking at them as closely uh, that their parents are kind of laying off them a little bit. They're just going to get drunk. They're going to gamble. They're going to have strippers. They're just going to have an entire weekend of debauchery, uh, yeah. it seems. And Which, can I, uh, I also want to point out my favorite part about that scene is that they put the, like, I think it's like a watch and a ball or something. Yeah. I can't remember, it, like, I remember the other it. expensive thing. Put it in the drawer. 
Chuck locks it and then he takes the key and puts it under like a candelabra sitting on top of the cabinet. Oh my God. Which seems so dumb, but also like having run puzzles for my players as a DM, I'm like, I could do that as a puzzle, be like, yeah, the door's locked and just have a rock next to the door and no one would think to look like ask for perception. <laughs> yes. Like no one would. That, oh, I and love next that thing you idea. And smashing the door open and then you're like, it's just, it's just there guys. It's not even, you're not even in a place where there are rocks. Like it, it's one of those yeah. fake key rocks. That's awesome. And if they just roll low enough, it's like there's a couple of rocks around, but you don't notice. It's yeah. like you have to you have to roll a high enough investigation to realize that one is fake. Yeah, that one of them just looks not like the other. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine how pissed they'd be. Oh, it'd be amazing. That would be amazing. Someone gets out I'm their lock picking it. tools. I someone with like a super low in. <laughs> I really I really love this idea. Just that the key for this whole puzzle is literally right next to it. It's like finding yeah. the password for the hacking system, and it's just password, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's on a it's a post it underneath the computer. Yeah, it's exactly like that. That is yeah. fantastic. Mm. Uh, so yeah, the the rules of this party. Let me remind you of the rules. As of this moment, there is no outside world that I do not show you. You eat what I provide, practice what I preach. Until I say so, the only girls you talk to are the ones I paid for. Let the last weekend commence. You can't contact the outside world. Um, you don't talk to any women unless Chuck is paying them. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. Um, yeah. This is not... Well, this is Chuck in his element, I feel. This is what you expect oh. from Chuck. I think as well, no, but this is also what I think Chuck expects people to expect from him. That's true. That makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's performing. I feel like he's... Them. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, he's definitely like, aha. Welcome to my world of debauchery. I am yeah. Chuck Bass. I'm Chuck Bass. Yeah. And you're like, oh, Chucky, okay. Okay, buddy. I don't know. He seems pretty into uh, it. Like, he's not he's not going wild like the others are, but he... No. I feel, but Chuck he's is, the host. Yeah, I feel that Chuck is the host and he wants people to... Well, okay, if we're getting into Chuck's mental state or mental... His backstory, Chuck wants to be remembered as the person that got everyone else stuff. He's the one that's mm. like, you remember the parties that I threw and all the yeah, fun that like you had at them. But it's not... I'm not involved in that because I don't need to be. Mm. I'm better than all of you people because you're here because of me. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Oh, that's gonna that's gonna fester in my brain about what Chuck's motivations are. Uh, and then, well, here's a I think this is where we can kind of start getting into Nate. I had not realized that Nate was meant to be a stoner. Oh yeah, he was like smoking in the uh, in the pilot. I think it is. Yeah, they never. Chuck. After that, they stopped doing it because there is actually uh -huh. a rule that you can't be seen to smoke on television. Um, and this actually goes back to the OC, where the the, the first episode. The, you're gonna get me every time with that. The OC that Ryan Atwood in the very first, in the pilot episode is seen smoking a cigarette, and that was one of the last times cigarettes were shown to actually be smoked on television. And they really had to fight to get it in because they wanted to make a point that this is a kid from a very tough neighborhood who would be smoking, but he quits through the show, and mm. that was kind of a, a, a step in the right direction, sort of stuff. But they had to show that he was so. The fact that Nate and Chuck were smoking in the first episode and now they don't, they talk about it. But mm. Nate is supposed to be like a full on 
dope themed. <laughs> I guess that's yeah, probably a Central bit hard. Park, Central Park, like, uh, hangout. They've got a name. There's a name for the kids that smoke weed in Central Park. I don't know. <laughs> I think it comes in later. Anyway. There's, yeah, there's like a name for them. Yeah. Nate, Nate friends, probably. Yeah. Uh, either way, that kind of explains why Nate is a li- not dull, but he's he's a free spirit yeah he's kind of numb yeah uh so yeah Yeah. that's just an interesting aside and it's kind of drawn well more obviously because a um a young man crashes this party uh that chuck is throwing which how dare you chuck how dare you crash a chuck bass party uh particularly in that in that sweater uh yeah and I, watching this, I nearly jumped out of my chair because the um, the person who shows up is Sebastian Stan, uh, who has played Bucky for a number of years in Civil War, in the Marvel movies. And I had just watched Civil War before watching this episode. And I'm like, what, what the hell is going on? Why has Sebastian Stan jumped over from one movie into the television show I'm watching now? He's it everywhere. Was, and he looks it was so gritty oh, he, when he oh, comes would, in with his, like, he looks so grimy. jumper. He, he, you can yeah. smell him through the television and it does not smell good. <laughs> he smells like a, like a, yeah, a gap year. Someone on a gap year in, you know, yeah. somewhere off the beaten track. Somewhere. But that's not really off the beaten track. Somewhere there, there's probably pirates is what you're saying. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Uh, and we learned that this is Carter Basin, uh, who mm. that apparently... name. <laughs> it's a great name, Carter Basin. It's it... so wankery, which is, I guess, what it's meant to be. I feel that there are a number of very high class families that will name their children after physical jobs that inquire, require physical labor, like Carter or Cooper or Mason. And these mm. kids will never, ever, ever actually do any sort of physical labor. Mm-mm. And Carter's a good example of this. Well, actually, Carter's not because he graduated four years ago, which means I'm not quite sure how Chuck and Nate even know him, uh, if they're juniors. That they said they, they kind would... of knew him from the eighth grade. But why yeah, he's right. crashing this party? It'd be like, it's like toolies, right? Like if you go to schoolies week and suddenly some 22-year-old's at a schoolies party, you're like, you yeah. don't belong here. Yeah, it is very much like that. And he doesn't seem to be creeping everyone out too much. They don't seem to care. It's only Nate and Chuck that really have noticed anything about it. Mm. But we do get a little bit more information about them, that about him, that apparently he traded in his trust fund um, and just went traveling. So he is on, he's been on mm-hmm. a gap year for four years, um, yeah. exactly as you said. Uh, and he seems to like Nate. He's quite happy to see, see Nate. Um, yeah. Sure, why not? Me. Chuck's super suspicious and glares at him the whole time. Um, which, Actually, again, Chuck's got his gut. Chuck's got his gut. Yeah, trust the gut, not Chuck. Mm-hmm. So we go to Sarita and Blair shopping, and they're just kind of wandering mm-hmm. around. Uh, and we yeah. get one of the grossest things in this episode. Uh, two fully grown, probably middle-aged guys just oh, yeah, leering yeah. at Blair and Serena. Um, yeah. just, ugh. yeah, they're, te- they're teenagers. 
I mean, yeah. I know they're not. Like Blake Lively and Leighton Meester are definitely not teenagers. Like Blake Lively yeah. in particular is most definitely not a teenager in this this show. But they're meant to be, is the point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and what and Blair's reaction to it as well, because she's saying things like, I, I've forgotten how much how horrible it is walking beside you because they all look at you and not me. I'm like, No, you don't want those skeezy guys looking at you, Blair. No. They're gross. Oh, bless you and your body and uh, I don't know. Oh, I'm not gonna say it. Don't worry. <laughs> you don't want to break my naivete and shatter my illusions. I I realize that Blair wants attention and she would like the Yeah. The validation that which she would receive if the guys were looking at her. And Serena's kind of like, no, you they were looking at you too. It's still gross. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think though the the main point of that, apart from the fact, yes, totally gross, and I'm not condoning it in any way, shape, or form. But uh, as someone who has two friends that are extremely attractive, in fact, one that looks like literally looks like Scarlett Johansson, like gets you know constantly confused for Scarlett Johansson, and one that looks like when like like Dita Von Teese. And my favorite thing is the three of us will walk into a club, right? And then we see a group of people and someone will be like, oh, my God, you look like Scarlett Johansson and my, like, your beautiful Scarlett Johansson friend. And the second one's like, oh, my God, you look like Dita Montese. And then they turn to me and they're like, you're tall. <laughs> and you're like. So, like, in this moment, I get Blair 100%. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I have been Blair mm-hmm. so many times where you're like, you know what? I forgot that th- what this was like. Um, yeah. But it's it's not a bad thing. It's you know, I look back and laugh now. But I think that's that's more take my takeaway though, that she's used to being second fiddle or used to being yes. kind of like Serena is the ray of sunshine and Blair is like the, the storm know, Serena cloud. is the the kind Regina to Blair's Gretchen, if you will. Yeah, that, that tracks. If Regina um, wasn't if, if Serena was if Regina was nice. Yes. Anyway. Yes. If well they Does are. that mean Jenny would be Jenny would be... Um... Jenny is Katie, yeah. Oh, no. I was going to say Jenny is... Um... Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, Amanda Seyfried's character. Oh, oh yeah. Um... Karen. Karen. My name is Karen. My hair is shiny. It does feel a bit Mean Girls, which I think was, what, 2004. Um, so that's probably yeah. intentional. Yeah. And, yeah, there is that element, again, going with the theme of what uh, Blair's backstory is it kind of this creepy thing that the guys are doing makes Blair remember that everyone prefers Serena even Blair's mother she's just like yeah she'd much rather hang out with you she prefers you to me her actual daughter mm. and of course Serena's trying to see the best in it say look she she meant to call and all these other things it feels a little bit like she's trying to stick up for Eleanor when she's really um, comforting Blair Mm. And there's a couple of odd moments with Serena in this episode where I'm not quite sure they come off as basically it feels like what Blair thinks of Serena is accurate um, based on Mm. a couple of the shots. Yeah. Uh, I think Serena's just a little bit, uh, what do you call it? She doesn't kind of recognize completely her world because of her, her, her world is so bubbly and like perfect that she does sometimes i think struggle to see what like how could your mother not look like yeah your mother loves me of course she loves you she loves everyone Mm. ah no serena serena definitely has some rose tinted glasses on um yes she's a pollyanna that's That's what it is she's pollyanna-esque oh yeah yeah 
And so when Blair goes into a, a bathroom, because she goes into a shop to use the bathroom. I'm not quite sure exactly what was going on. Yes. There. She just walks into a shop and says, wait and here for me. And who turns up? Oh, it's Dan. Yay. Oh, lovely boy. Yay. I'm, are we meant to know where they are? Because he mentioned, like, Serena's like, hey, what are you doing here? I love this city because you can just run into random people whenever. Oh. No, but, like, no. She's in New York City. Like, you do not just bump into, like, I mean, I can see yeah. that you would. It would be random, but you would run into people like... That's what would be weird about it. Like, there's 14 million people yeah. in New York, and the chances of you running into someone you know are yeah. minuscule, but you probably Especially would. when they live, like, the opposite... You know, Brooklyn is meant to be... Well, Brooklyn's across the river. ...away from them. Yeah. yeah I was going to say that, and I wasn't 100% sure on my geography. <laughs> well, so I didn't want to commit. This is the thing. Where are they? Are they just somewhere in Manhattan? Um, they look like possibly like Chelsea maybe or okay. like there's some well, kind of like high street. So they're not like Fifth Avenue or anything. That's for sure. They're yeah. more like a kind of hipstery. So maybe Chelsea know, or the I'm village just, or somewhere. Yeah. I, like that's what I mean. Like I they mentioned questions. going to Tory Birch. Okay. Sure. They're going to Tory Birch. Dan is walking back from apparently taking Jenny off to, to Hudson. Um, yeah, which I mean, I assume yeah. to mean he's put her on the train to go up to yeah. Hudson because Hudson's a long yeah. distance from New York, and he's gotten yeah. some sandwiches, some Cubans, um, mm. for for him and Rufus, which I like. Mm. Is just we're writing Jenny out of this episode really fast. Um, yeah, and why is he walking back then? It's like we're not just catching a train back to yeah, yeah. Unless he's had to go anyway, it's a weird thing. The point is that they run into each yeah. other, and yes. that um, Serena's like, "Hey, maybe we could actually hang out again and um, not talk, not talk, yeah, yeah, not talk, waggle eyebrows." Mm. Mm. Uh, to which when, Dan has no. He's like, "Oh, okay." I, I don't. I don't. I, mean, know I prefer. What's... I prefer to talk, but yeah, Dan likes to talk. We've <laughs> noticed this, and we, we know he likes to write. Mm. I do like this little interaction with Blair and Dan too. This is great. I love it too. Yeah. Hey, uh, remember you said uh, we could get together sometime and um, not talk? I was just wondering, is it sometime? Yeah. It was disgusting. The DOH should shut them down. The bathroom? No, the people. It's called Nolita, not no showers. What are you doing here? Do I smell pork and cheese? Okay. Well, when you're done with your charity work, why don't you come find me? I'll be at Tory Burch looking at ponchos. Uh, as Blair comes back and is like, just why are you bothering her? Um, yeah. It's really, yeah, I like Blair. It's great. She should give Dan grief because he's poor. <laughs> oh, with his, you know, huge, expensive Brooklyn loft. That's so, right. so poor, Dan. Blair decides I'm going to head on. And um, Serena can catch mm-hmm. up when she's done with the charity work. Yeah. Uh, which is oh. a lovely little little burn on oh. Dan. See. I just like, Blair does not give a fuck. Just like, Dan, don't oh, like Well, you. Dan's below her. No. Yeah. Why should she have to? Yeah. And he's not like, apologetic about it. It's not like hidden sniding, like hidden snarky. Nah. It's flat out, you are poor. You yeah. do not belong here. Yeah. Go My away. My kind don't hang out with your kind. Yeah. yeah, it's great. It's refreshing. Hmm. 
Uh, and so, it's Dan. Nothing Blair's honest. That's very true. Blair is super honest. Blunt might be another word for it. Blunt, actually, blunt's maybe a better word because I'm say there are times where she is very much not honest. So. Mm. Uh, and Dan kind of wonders to Serena, why weren't you just fighting with her like a week ago? What the mm. hell? Um, mm. And Serena's like, hey, I'm just trying to be friends with her. She's my friend. Um, but yeah. may- maybe call me and we'll not hang out. Or maybe call me and we we will not talk. Uh, and yes. did you did you notice the soundtrack when when as she turns oh. away? I don't know the song. All I know is it has the line with "Gotta shake your ass." Uh, oh. And then there is almost a it's not a zoom in on Blake Lively's ass as she walks away, but it with that soundtrack earlier it makes it very prominent. Yeah, yeah. And so that's got to be intentional. Yeah. I mean, well, because isn't this kind of setting the tone? Or oh, I don't know. I think this is foreshadowing. Uh, maybe I won't say what I'm about to say. I'm not going to say it. I'm going to save it. Ignore that. I, I wonder, because it is a little bit of playful, um, flirty banter with them. And Dan yes. would very much just be watching her butt as she walked away. That's what teenage guys do. Um, it's Yes. But it's I think as well it's the point that Serena's more confident in that arena than he is. Let's put it that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that tracks. They're kind of like establishing that because he's he's very awkward this whole thing. The fact that she says about like the whole not talking thing very coyly and he doesn't really seem to kind of play into that at all. No. Um, he takes it, I think, very literally. Yeah. Of like, Great. Yeah. We'll just sit around and not talk. I mean, I like your company, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Dan doesn't. For a writer, he doesn't get metaphors very well. Yeah, well, he doesn't have a lot of life experience yet, poor Daniel. This is true. Poor lonely boy. This is true. Imagine his his novels after eight seasons of this. Oh, my God. Oh, that'd be unbearable. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't think they're that great now, but oh, my God. Uh, I also think it's a good transition into the next scene where we're going back to Nate and Blair's party. Nate and Blair. Nate and Chuck's party. That's a Freudian slip and uh, will be an interesting, interesting... um, Comment later on. Uh, as Ch- as <laughs> do we call him Carter? Do we call him Bazin? I don't know. I'm not sure what the fan name for they this call him is. Bazin. Bazin because like you call you call cool people by their like last name, despite the fact that none of the key characters call each other by their last name. But no, but they call each other by their initials, which is even more awkward. Oh yeah. yeah. S. Little B. J. Can Little can we? Exp- we'll get to that another time. I just want to ask now if anyone wants to come into the comments and explain: Is there a big J? That we need to differentiate, like that Jenny is little J if there is a big anyway. Uh, so yeah, we just we get to learn a little bit more about Bazin and Nate's ex- wondering what it's been like, what actually happened to him, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And we get the we get a clash of philosophies between Chuck and Bazin. I hated the cleanup post Katrina. Spent a year rebuilding Machu Picchu, which let me tell you, it's changed my life. I bought an HD cam and started filming it for a documentary. You're the guy who gave us our first joint, snuck us into our first club, and you're gonna tell me the life of a YouTube filmmaker is better than this. You invented the last weekend. Hey, who cares about a party when you can travel the world? Exactly. The real world, the only thing that matters is who you are. Not what you are. As much as I love the speech about not needing material things from a guy who has that much product in his hair, this party is about excess, not exposition. Stop talking. Stop partying. 
Now here is something that doesn't need material. As a matter of fact, it's about to come off. Who's with me? Bazin's all like, no, freedom, freedom and wandering around and what good is money if it doesn't get you what you need? And Chuck's like, no, money fucking rules. You're a dick. Yeah. You're a yeah, smelly you're hippie idiot. and you're a weirdo. Uh, yeah. How did you go from getting us like the cool drugs to being all material things don't matter? Mm. Uh, yeah. And then Chuck is weird again. Um, as he, two women just walk up to him uh, on the other side and he puts their arms around them and he's like, so I'm going to go partake in what life has to offer, basically, which means have yeah. sex with these women. Does someone want to come with me? I'm like, did you just ask your friends to come have sex with you? Is this something is you normally what, do? I just assume this is what all teenage boys do. Correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here. I haven't lived through that before. I mean, I feel it's something that Chuck has done before with them. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing that that's what happens. Maybe it's a wealthy thing. That's not something that I have done. Maybe it's because these were very clearly escorts and sex workers. And he's like, this is what you do when you're a teenage boy and you have sex workers with you. You just go hmm. have sex. With but what we also don't say, you know, we talk about the veil in like D&D, &D, right? What you don't see is that actually Chuck is in a room and pulls out a deck of Uno cards and yeah. they just play Uno for like 45 minutes. I fully believe that is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just on that note, I feel that that doing veils for that is actually a really good way to do it uh, in role playing games. That you don't always have to veils don't always have to hide sex. They can hide a whole bunch of things, and mm. if you just don't want everybody at the table to know one way or the other, you just want to go look. That is not something my character is going to be doing, like telling mm. everyone. You don't know about it, so you don't have to see any of that. We're just going to draw a veil on that, and that's it. That's all you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think a great example from Critical Role, that Grog and the Nymph, a veil was very clearly drawn <laughs> for the rest of the table. Yeah. And they don't know what happened. And they keep bringing yeah. it up, and it's like, well, you don't know. You weren't there. We didn't talk about yeah. it. It's not going to be a thing. Yeah. And that's almost an yeah. in-character veil. So. Yeah. But yes, Chuck very much played Uno with those two women. <laughs> or whatever the, I don't know, whatever your your rich version of Uno is. Pachi, I don't know. Oh. Shogi. Possibly. I, something. Shogi? Shogi. Uh, I believe it's pronounced Shogi. It's Japanese chess. Oh, huh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, however, I assume... Chuck playing chess. Sorry, no, uh, he wouldn't <laughs> we have, don't have to keep talking about Chuck's gaming preferences for the next <laughs> No, we should. Would Chuck play D and D? There's a question. Would Chuck play D and D? Would Chuck play D and D? He wouldn't. Here's the thing: I don't think he would. But, but if coerced into it, he would be that. He'd be that player who's like not really. You know, if you're doing like a group for like a group of friends, and there's like five of them that are super into it, and one that's clearly just been like. Um, peer pressure to be there yeah. and they're kind of the one who's like and then instantly as soon as their character starts talking they like put on full voice and like instantly get into it and you're like aha oh my god you are so right he would be too he'd be yeah. sitting there with his little scotch and he'd be like this is so stupid i don't know why we're really doing this and then as soon as you have let him know he can do anything he's like so i can just go up and stab this guy and you're like yeah and he goes I don't think you understand that I am here because my father was killed when I <laughs> just get into the full backstory. Yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. He would. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's so accurate. Oh, he is yeah. that guy. All right. Cool. All right. I understand Chuck a lot more now. But Yay! I didn't say I like Chuck. I just said I understand him. <laughs> I'll take I, it as a win. As soon as he leaves, Bazin's all like, hey, man, we should just blow this stupid poker games that the kids are playing here. They're, they're stupid and childish. There's a real game over in Queens that you should be a part of, uh, Nate. That'd be really cool. If, it'd be a lot cooler if you played poker with me in Queens. Really leaning into his Matthew McConaughey vibes. Uh, from from dazed and confused, uh, which I feel is probably what the they're going for there. Um, yeah. And Nate's like, "Yeah, man, you're totally my idol right now, so I'm going to do everything you say." Oh, Nate. Yeah, Nate. I mean, he's a puppy dog. He just follows follows wherever they they lead. Uh, he, I mean, yeah. it is it is adorable. It's That's cute, a, but like, it's, it's definitely that that case of. Nate is very much the young, gullible, yeah, you know, adventurer who pays you $300 for their first healing potion because they don't really know how much a healing potion's worth. And that sounds like a fair price. This guy said he's got his family to feed. I felt bad. Why would the noble send us on a mission that was going to get us killed? I don't understand. I thought he was our friend. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of friends, Serena and Blair are back at the penthouse. And uh, they're going through the clothes that Eleanor Waldorf's going to be using for the for the photo shoot for Bendel's, was it? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. I found this really cute. I thought that was very much the teen girl. They have access to all these fancy, shiny clothes. And it's like, yeah, they're going to compare mm-hmm. what how you look in this thing. It was just a nice little, nice little moment between the two of them. Yeah. And as um, Eleanor was trying to go through or trying to pick a new model, she doesn't think any of the ones in the agency's catalogs match what she's trying to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she kind of looks over and spots Blair and says, you know, who would match my clothes? My daughter. She mm. is exactly the model that I've always used. And this is where Serena does like a weird thing. She very clearly hears what they're saying. She like, like a, her ears perking up, like a, a dog or a pet that's just heard a noise. Uh, she looks a little distressed. And I don't know quite what's going on. There was a little bit of like, I, I think it was meant to be the wheels ticking around in her head, but it seemed like, wait, Blair, but I'm here. <laughs> that's what the expression looked like to me. Okay, I didn't take it as that. I thought of it as more as like, oh, I need brownie points. Oh, like, yeah, here, she'll do it. Because if Blair gets that, then she'll feel good about herself and therefore, and I'm not going to put her there, therefore I'm good and I'll do good things. No, I I see that reading. I feel that there wasn't quite enough expression shown for it to, on first viewing, I was like, why is Serena being weird? This is, this isn't Serena. (laughs) She wants good things for everyone. Uh, and she does yeah. She does just kind of go, yeah, Serena, Blair will do it. Blair will do it. Blair's got to agree. Yeah. And Blair's face, once she realizes her mother actually wants her to do it. Oh, no. Oh, she looks so happy. This is where you see her as she's not the, the 16-year-old girl. She is a 10-year-old who's just been told she's getting a puppy. 
it's it's so so sweet and so heartbreaking because it's yeah. clearly that just facade that ice ice mask that she has yeah. on all the time has just melted away entirely yeah yeah this is her time to shine yeah because even when she's like at school even when she's queen bee at school she's not really queen bee by herself like it's it's blair and you know her posse yeah so although they quote unquote like look up to her or whatever it's still not her by herself yeah you know whenever anything happens they go as a group yeah it's so, very much the performance yeah. and doing it as a, a unit it's nothing just for her that she mm. gets out of it and it's, yeah it's it's nice to see blair happy and it doesn't happen often enough <laughs> no and again this this scene and the next one with her and the um the two sidekicks who i will learn the name of i promise uh i will name them Isabel and Katie. Great. Because that's probably which their names. Which? Uh yes. Great. Solid. <laughs> yeah. They're just one they're one entity like Ant and Deck. Uh, <laughs> or Hamish and Andy. They're just it's just one entity entity. So they're all sitting around and talking and gossiping about Blair actually being a model. Uh, and it, mm-hmm. it tracked to me. This is what teen. I I don't know. I have not been a teenage girl. No, no. I want. I want to. I want. I want your take. Hot take on this. This for me tracked with four friends, and one of them has got something that they all want, but they're all excited about it. Ha! Huh. They're all pretending they're excited about it because that's what you socially have to do. I don't know. I think Serena's excited for her. Yeah. No, Serena probably is. I don't know yeah. about the other two off. I don't know about the other two off. I mean, the, let's be honest. The rest of Blair's posse are pretty much just like, you can tell this is like a hierarchical system. They're just oh, waiting yeah. for the like, you know, ladder to break so they can clamber on up themselves. I don't think they're even doing that. I feel that, again, it's like Mean Girls where without Blair, they have no direction. They're just like, <laughs> we're just going to continue to do what we normally do. We're just going to drift along and we'll follow Blair because Blair shows us interesting things and takes us to nice places. So Blair is the acceptable leader. We're not going to try to take over because then we'd have to make decisions. We can't even tell which one we of this t- is which. <laughs> if we take over, we have to take action and do stuff. Yeah. And that doesn't sound fun. I mean, they've, yeah, it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's a <laughs> differentiation between them. Um, but yeah, that, that tracks for me. They, they, they have no, no, um, agency <laughs> apart from from what blair gives them that um yeah either way i like uh this little cute and particularly when dan calls uh because dan calls yeah. serena to actually ask her out yeah and, and blair, blair grabs the phone and i this feels more real because it feels like something that a teenager's friends would do when their crush calls yeah because what what's Blair saying to him, like, oh, this the number you have called is uh, not connected. And <laughs> Serena doesn't even know who it is. She's like, no, no, I'm doing you a favor. This is this is yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And then she calls I'll, him I'll Cabbage with, Patch, I'll too. I'll go with yes. Yeah, which I'm, I'm, I'm sad that Lonely Boy caught on and Cabbage Patch didn't. Well, see, Blair's the only one that knows he's into Cabbage Patch Kids. But she saw. 
And we know that Dan is Gossip Girl, so he's not going to give himself a a um, dodgy nickname. Yeah, that's his line. That's his line. Yeah, he's not going to give himself a bad. He will ruin, you know, particular possibly ruin the rest of his life. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> either way, it's cute. I say either way a lot. Yes. I'm going to stop doing that. And he cute. he asks Serena to a movie, the typical uh, teenage date, where he can actually mm-hmm. go and not talk to her. Uh, as you said, mm-hmm. he took it literally. That's his thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the way he hangs up as well. Um, there's a thing in television and movies where people don't say goodbye like normal humans do. They just like say, <laughs> cool, thanks, and hang up. Not like, I'll see you soon, not I'll I'll talk yeah. to you tomorrow, that kind of thing. Like humans say farewell. In film and yeah. television, you don't have enough, you don't have the time to actually do that. So they just act like the other person is a robot and just press the, the hang up button. Um, because it, we won't get into hang up for the younger listeners. And he actually does it in a proper manner. He's like, cool, then I'll see you at seven. And he pauses for a moment and there's a little bit of a thought like, do I need to say goodbye? No, that covers it. And then he hangs up. Yeah. And I like yeah. that. It's like, that's some, yeah. some good acting, Pen Badgley. Well done. Yeah. Pen Badgley, who's listening to our podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Pen. You know what? He might be. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah, I'm totally. sure if I like tagged him on Twitter, he'd probably listen to an episode or two. <laughs> if he's got nothing better to do. You know, he's got worked and stuff. Yeah. As I say, we've got one Netflix series going at the moment. Yeah. Um, hot serial killer. Anyway. So, Dan Humphrey. Anyway. Um, People have, yeah. Have we had this discussion yet? Anyway, I don't think we have. Is this, the time. Is this it's my probably first not tangent? the time. No, no, we've been okay. on a couple of tangents already. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're reaching the time uh, for those who <laughs> have been managed to get through us with the last few episodes. We are reaching the recording point where Meek starts to go on a tangent. I am trying to keep her on task. <laughs> I'm like a, you need to have like on those carrots, like for the mules. Yeah. Yeah. And this I, is just I, the time where I've just started eating the carrot or I've just stopped being hungry where I'm like, you know what? Let's just, <laughs> let's just improv the rest of this. I mean, we could just say that it's because uh, Gossip Girl is not as interesting, but that's. No, uh, we, uh, no. We literally, I, mean, I will point out that we have been recording for well over half an hour and we're only 10 minutes into the episode. So I'm not sure if so this is. so much time packed. There is so much to unpack. There is a lot going on in this, uh, yeah. particularly that we now start to get into Rufus's plot, which is not oh, a long one. F- yeah, I mean the plot that I goes nowhere. Get, I probably, I probably don't get it because I'm not a cinephile or I haven't, you know, studied theatre and television at a, you know, professional level. Because I'm sure though that there's a metaphor, deep underlying metaphor here, and there's some kind of like you know, homage to some other art form in here um, to explain this awkward, like, side plot, I guess. Okay. Uh, maybe. I don't think so. But tell us what this awkward side plot is. Well, that's where we have Rufus at his art gallery. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the No, they use a really uncomfortable word. They He's showing off this art piece. And what does he say? He says that it's uh, very confronting. No, um, captivating. It's a re- no, it's something with a C. 
Yeah, anyway, but and then sure enough, you know, art buyer, dealer, who's one of those jobs that I keep forgetting exists, exists. for rich people because, you know, I buy my art from Ikea like everyone. Um, and, yeah, then Rufus has a bit of an awkward, awkward flirt. Mm-hmm. He's uh, not good at it. But he's he in, he kind of initiates it, but, but not. I feel he's trying to make a sale. Oh, okay. Do you think that was sale first? So flirt to get the sale. Yeah, I think that's what he does. Rufus mm-hmm. to me, Rufus is a pretty guy. We'll accept this. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And he has the the natural charisma of a band leader because he was the lead singer of, of Lincoln Hawk. Anyway. Lincoln um, Hawk. Lincoln Hawk. Lincoln Hawk. He come he gets along with people very easily. And I feel that that's how he mm. makes his sales. He just does his little charm thing. Yeah. And people, and particularly women, mm. just kind of do what they want with him. Uh, yeah. Or what, what he needs them to do. He's Serena, but a man. Uh, but life just kind of falls into place sometimes for, for Rufus. And that's what he does. He just mm. kind of turns on the charm. It comes off as flirting, but what he's doing is yeah. trying to make a sale. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, and then we have the awkward thing. I think it mentions about the artist as well. Is like is from Hudson, yeah. so we instantly know who that is. Yeah. Well, he does also point out that it's his wife a little while later because I think Bex, the um, the art art buyer, um, says something about like maybe we can grab a drink or something, and he's like, actually, the artist is my wife. Yeah. And she's like, um, the artist is from Hudson. That's a really long commute if she she comes to to see you and so he's he's yeah. not good at flirting but that is very much opening the door for for bex to continue to pursue him yeah are we gonna talk about the name bex at all or we're just gonna let them slide on that one i feel th- given that i know that it's bex uh i feel that we shouldn't let them slide ever but this probably isn't the time for um for the in-depth discussion of Bex. Good road keeping. Well yeah. done. Oh, we will get we will get to the naming conventions of of Gossip Girl at some point. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I was on board with it. I shipped them just because. Oh, really? Yeah. I, well, I like Bex, and I like yeah. Rufus, and it's like, well, I like these two characters. They should end up together. Why not? Fair. Yeah, I didn't feel it, but I'm not against it. Okay, I just I feel that this is an ongoing thing that Rufus meets some woman and they immediately just start flirting with him constantly. So this is um, just yeah, enjoyable he definitely to has watch. that rock star energy, right? Like, yeah, he seems to have some kind of yeah. An I'm more looking for you know who's going to be Jenny's. I can't imagine Bex cooking waffles for Jenny. Is what? Oh I'm, God, no. Rufus yeah, is the one that so. cooks the waffles. Yeah, but I think he needs a co-waffle chef when he settles down. That's true. Or, just... you know, maybe his wife, you know, when him and his wife get back together. If. If. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe. So that's a little, I guess it's a um, a plot point that we just get thrown in uh, since we are yeah. only 10 minutes into the episode. Yeah. And then we get, um, I don't even know how to describe this. Well, actually, I don't know how to describe this this scene. Nate and Chuck go to play basketball with all the, the rich teens but what the fuck is chuck wearing oh, 
So oh good. my god. So good. No, it what, is not. I mean, what do you wear when you're going to play basketball? Not that. I wear shorts and maybe a singlet and like, or a t-shirt and shoe. He is wearing. Well, you need a collar. Yeah, he's wearing a vest. Yeah. yeah. His shorts go past his knees. I feel that he might actually be, yeah, and he's got a, a headband and glasses, yeah. and yeah. I'm pretty certain it's leopard print. I, what the fuck, Chuck? Nah, it's definitely high fashion. Uh, I'm going to defend Chuck on this one. High fashion, it's very trendy. Uh, you know, he's very forward thinking. He's a risk taker, Chuck Bass. You know, he's not afraid to he's a peacock. You know, stand out. Yeah, totally. Great. We all love peacocks. Name someone who doesn't like peacocks. I mean, they don't taste that great. There's another element of this episode. Since we've been talking about geography earlier, we get a shot of where they're actually playing basketball. Um, it's the corner of uh, East Hudson and Christie Street, which, mm-hmm. uh, for those of you who know New York geography, is Lower Manhattan. Mm. If you know where the the Palace Hotel is, I believe. Well, I mean, the Palace Hotel is fictional, but the Empire Hotel that it's based on is mm. Upper West Side. Basically, it's up near mm. Chelsea on that. They have gone a long way just to find a basketball court. Yeah, but this is like their excursion, right? Like this is this is part of the whole like, you know, they're getting out of, you know, where they usually are. I want yeah, to see and they all the... rocked up in limos as well. Yeah. Like just to just to be real like Douches. subtle about it. I seems the most maybe there's something about this basketball court in particular that makes it a special one that they have to go to. Maybe they're allowed open air drinking or something. However, Bazin. A little bit too much credit. I think I am too. Bazin is still there with them. He has um, joined along, and Chuck is not pleased. Um, Mm. I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's just shitty at them. Yeah. Uh, And again, again, Chuck, um, Chuck kind of goes at him for the differing philosophies, and Bazin goes, "You know what? I'm not welcome here. I'm just going to go. Sure. Why not?" Uh, Nate yeah. grabs the address for the for the card game later on, which is in Queens. So he's going yes. across the bridge. Mm. Yeah. We're, An Archibald in Queens. No good is going to come of this. It's really funny because Bucky Barnes traditionally is from Brooklyn, which is right mm. next to Queens. Yeah. And so maybe, that's, maybe this is his origin story. Is this like the Bucky Barnes uh you know og story where he started sure <laughs> we'll okay. go with that amazing well people are saying that like the De- uh, that uh dan is like the origin story for his character he's now playing that netflix series of which the name you. alludes yeah me. it's called great you. that one yeah um so you know maybe all good things start with gossip girl is what i'm saying I will say that it is a little bit of the origin story of Sebastian Stan's rise into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, given mm-hmm. that Bucky Barnes was born in 1900, maybe 1905, um, probably not the origin for... Mm. for well, uh, not Carter in this Basin. universe. Not in this universe. If Carter Bazin ends up like going to war and losing an arm and being frozen for 70 years, that would be an interest. I would watch that movie. We that don't know. We don't see Carter's arm. It's true. He's got his alpaca fur <laughs> bloody shawl on the whole time. He does. He's got his hemp backpack as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Either way, he nicks off and Nate says they'll meet up later. Uh, and Blair's doing – well, we jump to Blair doing the photo tests for this this shoot. Uh, mm-hmm. And she is not good at it. She is stiff and rigid and other words that mean stiff and rigid. Yes. Uh, well, which is, she's yeah. – yeah. She's Blair is the point. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel like they don't give her a lot of direction either. Like they're not kind of telling her what to do. They're just, you know, they, just don't, they know it's not it. Yeah. Um, but luckily, then we have you know, lovely S steps in to be the ray of sunshine that she is. Well, she overhears the photographer talking about it. Yeah. I love the photographer's line in this, actually, where he's like, um, oh, yeah, to my eye, she is gorgeous. To the camera, no. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he, he appreciates that Blair has something and looks really good, yeah. but he's aware that the camera will not do what they need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the Absolutely. Serena does step in uh, as the ray of sunshine and actually gets Blair to be all playful and nice and happy and yeah, again, really cute. Yeah, I think it's not the dress for being cute in. <laughs> well, this is what I don't get. Okay, I'm going to put my fashion hat on because Here like she's wearing a very like fitted pencil dress with like this beautiful bead of breeze. very kind of like vintage vibes even her hair is very vintage and they're being like yeah. oh we want you to be you're like well it kind of doesn't go with like if she was wearing like a flowy like summer dress or something then sure but like she's in a very form-fitting like dress anyway well isn't i this think the... blair was set up to fail a little bit is probably what I'm saying. i i thought it was just the tests to see if she had the the je ne sais quoi to be a model well, they usually do tests in the actual clothes to make sure because, like, colours and stuff on different skin tones or, yeah. like, you know, different cuts and stuff. So I'm assuming it's an Eleanor design. Yeah, but it's not – this isn't going to be the final shoot. So it's just like we're going to take the shots, see how you look, but the, when they start directing her, she's just really bad at it and can't can't take direction unless it's from Serena. Um, yeah. Being a uh, lion. Yeah. I don't even know. It it feels like someone who's never been on a fashion shoot writing, what do they do in Austin Powers? Is it like, you're a tiger now. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Oh, show me love. <laughs> show me love. Oh, now you're angry. It's, I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, what, uh, what's your experience with fashion shoots? Um, I have been on when one or two. you've been on one. I've been yeah. on one or two. Not as many as some people, but I have been on a couple. <laughs> I have a, you didn't a, do the tiger? I didn't do the tiger, no. No, I did the catwalk. I didn't do the tiger. Oh. Yeah. Hey, I'm I'm catwalk trained. Uh, Amazing. Well, this will come up in, in future episodes. So I'm sure it will, so, actually. Yeah. So once Blair actually starts to loosen up uh, and having fun, uh, Dan calls and interrupts because that's what Dan is there for. He is to interrupt mm-hmm. fun. He is no fun Dan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Blair basically goes, um, no, you can't go, Serena. You have to stay here and help yeah. me. We've got to, we've got to do yeah. this. Uh, so Serena's like, okay, I'll blow yeah. Dan off and, um, mm-hmm. and stick around with you, which is, again, really sweet of her for yeah. Blair. Not the so much opposite for Dan. of bros before the other word. Hose before bros. <laughs> Yeah, I don't really like that phrase. That's why I immediately got half into it. I was like, no, oh, I'm going to uncommit. But yeah, the opposite of that. 
Ovaries before broveries? No, yeah, that's it. Ovaries before broveries. Leslie, no. Ovaries before broveries. Uh, anyway, Dan is actually in line at the movie theater when he calls, basically just trying to make sure that Serena's still coming. Because to be fair, if he's in line at the movie theater, I guess he's not about to go directly and he's buying the tickets early. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but you know, if you were on a date, and we know that Dan is someone who gets to things early, like he was super early for their last date. So he's probably, there's probably a 7.30 movie. Dan's there at six. Yeah. Making sure that he's got primo seats. That um, explains um, a little bit later on, actually. Uh, so he gets to the, the front. Well, Serena says, hey, sorry about this. I'll make it up to you. Um, he, he feels a bit bitter about that. Yeah. To me. Yeah. That tracks. Yeah, it's understandable. It feels like she's getting he's getting blown off. Um, yeah. And I've realized just the, the Bex and Rufus storyline, that the next scene is actually when he reveals to her that that um, he's married and the wife is still around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's come by after closing to, to pick up the painting and for drinks. Yes. And you know what? That's a baller move from Bex. Yeah, I mean, I've got look. I've got nothing against Bex apart from her ridiculous name. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just don't feel like I don't feel the Rufus energy. I don't know. Oh, Rufus like has Rufus doesn't have that much energy. He's got charm but no energy. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah. And again, yeah. she she does read the room that hey, the wife lives in Hudson, but he's still saying that. So she's like, here's my card. Just um, you know. Whatever's going on with you, if you need some, yeah, call me. Call Give it a try, me. just in case, uh, sort yeah. of card. So good on her mm. again. Doesn't pressure him at all. And this is where, well, speaking of pressure, we get um, Chuck and Nate's little tater-tate about, about mm-hmm. um, Chikata. And yeah. this scene struck me so much as Chuck being in love with Nate. Ah. Chuck's an only child, right? We've established yeah. that at this stage. Yeah, I think so. Like, it could be romantic, but it could just also be the fact that his, you know, him and his dad don't have a great relationship and therefore he's kind of taken Nate as this, like, protective, you know, little chicken under his wing. I don't but know. Pro- I don't know protective. I'm not against it. I would say that. Chuck is very much, if someone is my friend, they can have no other friends. Because I oh, am the one that- Oh, that kid school's like, they're stealing my friends. Yeah. Those so people. when Carter comes mm-hmm. along and is all like, hey, you've got another point of view. I've got another point of view from, from Chuck. Chuck's like, you're stealing my friend. What the fuck? Mm. No, only one person can, you can only be my friend. And the reason I feel that Chuck's kind of in love with him is this is the exact dynamic in the animated She-Ra where it is an explicit uh, same-sex attraction between the two characters that have this dynamic. But it is. He is jealous. It feels like he is jealous Hmm. of of the time that Nate wants to spend with Carter. And, I mean, I'm on board with it. Totally. I feel this makes Chuck a lot more interesting. Yeah. I'm not, like, I totally, I'm not, I don't not see it. But I also, I don't know. This is the hard part where I, as a viewer who's watched this show <laughs> way too many times, have to try and distinguish, is it only because I've watched it or? Oh, I mean, I having, we're recording this. I'm not like, I've seen ahead. I know other things that happen in this show. Yeah. But 
And it kind of just with- gives off dodgy vibes as well, though, to give yeah. off that, like, protection aura. Like, regardless of anything, Carter just is dodgy. He's so Like, dodgy. I would make sure that I put my backpack on the front of my, like, body if I was, you know, walking around near Carter Basin. Yes, that is fair. To and- make sure it didn't get, like... Yeah, I don't know. It it feels he does seem like he's just protecting Nate, the adorable puppy dog, from from the the dangers of the world, the dangers of the Carters. There's mm. mm. a little bit more possessiveness about it to me. Maybe yeah. that's just me. Mm. Maybe maybe we're each bringing our own <laughs> our own baggage, our own our own baggage into this. Me yeah. and Blair, me and Blair's mom, <laughs> you and you and Nate Chuck. See, Nate this Chuck is why this show's thing. great. I'm uh, sure someone has shipped Nate Chuck before. Oh, I am certain there is a number Shapes. of fanfics out there. Nuchuk. I'm going with Nuck. 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 Again, Chuck is. I think it's the lines too that Chuck's saying, where he's like. You keep saying that you don't want to go to Dartmouth, but what do you really want, Nate? What do you really mm. want? And it's it's very intense and eye contact. You know, it's like, do you really want to kiss me? Is that what you want? And I'm just like, <laughs> kind of feel like that's what you're saying, Chuck. Yeah. But uh, Nate's not yeah. having any of it. Nate is fed up. He's like, you know what? I just don't want to be here. And he yeah. heads off and finds um, the restaurant in Queens. He's like, I'm going to get a, a non-Uber because Uber didn't exist yet. Uh, probably a cab <laughs> or a limo. Yeah, probably a limo. He has a driver yeah. on call for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we jump back to Rufus in his loft where he's playing his guitar. Mm-hmm. He's um, got mm-hmm. the guitar out. He's not cooking for once. This is one of the few episodes where he's not to do he's with he's jamming. Food. He's jamming. We be jamming. We be jamming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dan comes back. And I realize now that if Dan had been so early for the film rufus is like how was the movie and doesn't seem surprised that he's back early yeah dan was there so fucking early that he can return now and rufus just assumed that the film has happened and he's already been yeah yeah yeah, yeah. for sure yeah i don't think dan's the type of guy that would have rocked you know if this movie started at 7 30 he's not leaving like his house at quarter past seven to get there on time no, and he's you know there that serena's not getting there until eight like yeah. as well to counter that yeah, Serena feels yeah. like she – I didn't realize this. There is actually a running gag in the books that Serena is always running late for school. That's like a regular right. thing. It's very much a Sailor Moon aspect of running out the house with the toast in your mouth and like a cloud of dust behind you. Yeah. What I'm saying yeah. is that Serena is a magical Serena girl. Serena energy. Hey, that would explain a lot. So Dan actually kind of asked for advice about Serena from Rufus mm-hmm. um, because he's like, how, why is she friends with Blair? The descriptions he gives for Blair in this scene, they have to be heard to be believed. They're pretty good. She's best friends with this girl, Blair Waldorf, who is basically everything I hate about the Upper East Side distilled into one 95-pound, doe-eyed, bon mot-tossing, label-whoring package of girly evil. <laughs> No one's that bad. She is. I would barely be exaggerating if I told you Medusa wants her withering glare back. You can tell that he's not too pretentious either because he calls her a Medusa or he refers mm. to, like, he makes a Medusa reference. If he was a proper pretentious nerd, he would refer to a Gorgon instead. Nice. 
This is this is the deep cut stuff people are here for. That's right. Well, Medusa's a whole thing. Medusa's a whole thing. And what do you think? Would you, if you were putting them into th- making them monsters, would you make Blair a Medusa? No. I mean, if they're all no. monsters or all creatures from mm. the from the creature codex, from no. I think Blair would maybe be a a a doppelganger because really? she has those two sides. Like I'd make her a dragon. Oh, actually, yeah, she'd be a pretty great dragon. Yeah, whereas uh, Serena's very dragon. clearly an angel. Yeah, of some sort. Chuck is the incubus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, For sure. Dan, what would Dan be? Hmm. Nate's just that rock that you trip over and then makes you fall over the cliff where you get like 10d6 bludgeoning. So you die, but like it was just a rock. Like <laughs> so unfortunate. Or it's a log. just lying there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. What did you say for Dan? Sorry, I didn't think of one for Dan. Dan's a tricky one. Dan's almost like I'd say Strad esque, but like not that powerful, but that brooding and that like you know self obsessed and yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, that that totally tracks that entitlement as well. That um, that teen characters in the mid two thousands all had. Yeah, Dan is a, a vampire lord, definitely tracks. Anyway, he's getting some advice from Rufus, who says, yeah, I used to date a girl like Serena, very much like Serena, in fact. And it's like, yeah, you're talking about Lily, you weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't get as well how Dan isn't cottoning onto this at this stage. Dan is self-absorbed. Yeah, true. Yeah. True. And I feel that he is, he, I don't think he even registers that Rufus has had sex with people who are not Dan's mother. <laughs> He's one of those kids. Yeah. Despite the fact that he's yeah. very aware that his dad had groupies and was a rock star mm. and mm. probably sang songs about sex. He's like, yeah, but he saved himself until he met my mother. And then they had sex twice for me and yeah. my sister. And, and that's, that's it. it. That's it. Done deal. Uh, and Rufus's advice is basically if Serena is acting like that around Blair, there's probably a reason that Serena might... Mm obviously has a good reason for feeling this way about Blair, which is good. And when Dan asks him, (laughs) I love this advice too, that when Dan asks him, so how did it go with, um, with this girl that's like Serena? He's like, yeah, well, I jumped in with two feet and, and did you swim? No, I drowned. It's like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I stayed for a little bit, but yeah, then I drowned and Dan's like, thanks dad. (laughs) Great advice. He is very aware that that's not good advice. (laughs) That's not helpful at all. What the fuck? No. Oh, again, Blair, poor, sweet, innocent angel girl Blair, getting tucked mm-hmm. into bed by her mother before the big photo yeah. shoot and being yeah. told, no, no, you have to get up early. It's like it's like 10 p.m. or something. Yeah. It's like not late at all. And, oh, she's just, the fact that her mother's tucking her into bed at all. Yeah. It, well, she even mentions it. They're like, you haven't done this since, you know, forever or. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's that. Well, there's I, has she been home to do out. it? She's been too busy in Paris. Uh, but the poor, the poor girl, she just looks so happy and content. Mm. And things are going right for Blair for once. 
which means yeah, everything until and well bad things will happen because Blair yeah yeah uh, because Serena at the same time is inviting Dan to the photo shoot which yeah that's going to go well for Blair yeah uh, and she's more of the opinion no Blair will be Blair will be busy it it won't matter Blair won't mind yeah. she's not even going to pay attention to this we can just steal food from craft services and and yeah. her um. <laughs> That's right. As a as an incentive, she's like, "I'll buy you anything you want from Craft Services." To which he points yeah. out, "Craft Services is free." Yeah. And and like, okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Hanging up before you before you change your yeah. mind. Yeah. That's how you should. Bless. Everyone should always end conversations like that. I'm leaving before you get the last word in. Yeah. I like I like uh, Serena it's... in this episode too. She's just nice and fun. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think she's had a weight lifted off her shoulders, right? Like she's finally been able to kind of appease herself from the guilt of, you know, what happened with Nate. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, she's genuinely trying to make amends, genuinely trying to, you know, mm. kickstart version 2.0, Serena 2.0. Clean slate Serena. That's what yeah. they call her. Mm. It's, not, it's not what they call her at all. Can we talk about Dan's response to this incredibly adorable thing that Serena does. Yes. Do you do you remember what it is? What? Yeah, isn't it? But it's I don't. It's normal. He's he like super flustered. He's not even super flustered. He like has this heavy sigh, and again, he seems resigned to it, and it's like both feet, Humphrey. And I'm like, oh, dude, okay. dude, this girl is clearly smitten with you, and you're being like. Oh, but I have to spend time with a friend. Ah, oh. see, I just I took it as like the fact that he was just instantly overwhelmed, and that he was like, oh. "Oh, I'm like, I'm in, like, I'm diving in, I'm already in over my head." That but makes maybe more that sense. that tracks. I think they both track. I think I prefer yours, just because it means that he's. It makes Dan to- nicer. It makes Dan nicer, and if he's the main character and Gossip Girl, I mean, he's the eponymous character. Yeah. I feel like we should like him occasionally, but it felt particularly with his conversation with Rufus earlier, he's like, how, how am I supposed to do anything when this other person's around? It's like, dude, just enjoy the time you have with the person you enjoy your time with. Yeah. I just think it's Dan keeps playing in his head, this whole big thing about, and I guess this is what the show plays into as well. It's kind of the whole point, the idea of like the classes and like, he just does not see himself as worthy or like, yeah, like he is not of that world, and like I think, it, it, I think it's this one as well. Is it this episode they mention later on about like you're not part of this world? You wouldn't understand. Which probably oh, brilliant. I think they say that brilliant. every episode. <laughs> Anytime that Blair and Dan interact, there's usually a line like that. Yeah. Um, and Blair, Blair's getting more bad news. It's not just Dan coming to the shoot. Um, the agent and the photographer are visiting. Eleanor and explaining yeah. that presumably they've got into the apartment through oh the exposition, the exposition elevator. elevator oh yeah they're, they're in the exposition foyer right now <laughs> I'm guessing because um Eleanor is still in her her uh, dressing gown it's like it's that late mm. at night she's already tucked Blair in and Blair's asleep uh but they have to sit down so they, they don't get to do it in the elevator if it was on the way to the shoot the next day it definitely would have been the exposition elevator <laughs> for sure yeah and they basically say look 
Blair is no good. Blair is not good at selling your clothes. Serena, great at selling your clothes. Yeah. Light, bright, fun, happy, girl yep. next door. Yep. Insert all these words here. Yep. Uh, and uh, then I love how they, they, they put all this out and they're like, we don't want to tell you how to run your business, Eleanor, but your daughter's shit. <laughs> but we didn't tell you that. You've got to make the decision. But if you choose her, you're making a terrible mistake. They, they are kind of saying that, but they are also leaving it up to her. They're like, look, you can make this decision. At, well, I feel that that's what they're saying. They're saying, if you make this decision, we will have to work a lot harder, but we will make it work. We will throw so much money mm. at it that no one will care, but it'll cost you a lot, or we can go yeah. with Serena, and it'll just be easy. Yeah. But you're making the yeah. call because mm. it's not our call to make. We're just here to offer advice. Yeah. It's like they, neither of them can go, yeah, we're not using your daughter. If it was just some other model, it'd be like, yeah, we're not using that model. We're using this model. But yeah, Eleanor has to make that call. Yeah. We don't get to see what call she makes, but the next morning when Blair gets up and uh, checks mm-hmm. the, um, the voicemail from Serena saying, hey, it's going to be such a great day. I'll see you there. Uh, and she yeah. runs into Eleanor. Eleanor's like, oh, well... The photographer wants a different model. Mm-hmm. Um, they decided to go a different direction. It's not you. We just, yeah. you know, you were brilliant, but we just decided to go a different direction. Yeah, someone else. It won't be a problem. Um, yeah. And oh, Blair, poor girl. You, I'm certain oh, there's a just... shot where she actually wipes away a tear that she's very clearly hiding from Eleanor. Hmm. But the beautiful response of, oh, it's fine. I didn't really want it anyway. Yeah. How boring. Yeah. I didn't really want to do it. Whatever. Of course not. Such a brave face. Brave <laughs> little trooper. Yeah. Uh, and after Eleanor leaves, Serena Serena calls. She calls, Blair calls Serena to say, guess what? I missed out. Of course I did. That makes perfect sense. Hey, you know what? Let's crash the shoot anyway and see who they did hire and make fun of her. Make fun of this skinny bitch. I think yeah. that's the direct quote. That's the direct yeah. quote, uh, which feels very Blair. That's exactly mm. what Blair in a in a bad mood would do. Yeah, she's going to go make fun. It's, of it's totally not someone who like didn't get an audition role in like you know a theater production who then goes to said production and then goes home to write like a one star Yelp review, just like cutting yeah down the main yeah. actor anonymously so no one can ever track it back to them i i'm not sure what you could be referring to me because this something that something you no, want to confess no, no. i'm just no i'm just saying that like it sounds like that would be what someone might do in that same situation that's what blair's doing is what i'm saying i was just oh, trying to give almost, another example of almost definitely who might yeah. most definitely that is yeah. most definitely what blair is doing and she wants yeah. to bring i have no personal life. experience no with any of this no I don't project myself onto Blair at all. At all. At all. (laughs) I'm just realizing that your headphones make a very good headband as well. Oh my gosh. I should put some bedazzled on them for next time. That'd be amazing. There is a... I can see what you're saying about this Rufus plot going nowhere. Because then we get a scene that, of course, the painting that Bex bought for her client is actually uh, for Lily. And I I love that Lily comes in um and i think what's her line i can't i can't believe you're doing this and rufus is just hanging up a painting goes yeah i I think it looks good though but also like how was rufus meant to know lily how was he meant to know 
Like yeah. I'm assuming the art world is very from what from what very small fragments I know of the art world. It is very much like you know all like scarves and veils of who buys what and who buys who, and that's kind of the like. I don't know, appeal of it that you go to someone's house and you're like, oh, you got the yeah. insert wanky art piece here. Picasso. Um, yeah, sure. The sure. only one I can keep thinking of is that Banksy one that just sold for like a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's part of the prestige of it, right? Like it's not actually about the actual piece of art. It's more about the fact that you have something that no one else has. Yeah, and that no one knows you have it. But yeah. I, so, what, yes, you can is, yeah, show it off, just, but that you haven't. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just yelling at my screen being like, Lily, he did it, no. Mm-hmm. And I would say that you're the one coming over to make a deal about it, Lily. What do you want? Well, what's, I think, what's Mr. Bass not giving you, Lily? I think it's very aware of what um what Lily wants. She wants Rufus. Oh, which Lily. she makes a good point that um if the reason she has returned it rather than well, I think she's she's using an excuse to see Rufus, but she's also returning oh, it yes. because if it was known to Rufus's wife who had bought the painting, Lily might be in, like, physical danger. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There, there is a history between... Um, do we get it? Do we learn the, the Mother think, Humphrey name yet? Either way. I don't... Think so? No. That there is a history that I believe she actually threatened her at like with physical violence if she didn't stay away from Rufus, which yeah. um, changes their relationship a little bit from what we know about them. Before we knew they hooked up, we didn't know that she was kind of the other woman or certainly the one chasing Rufus. Yeah. Uh, which you know what? Into it. I'm. I'm yeah. on board with Rufus Lily. Sure, why not? <laughs> I do like the repartee between them. It does feel very much Lady in the Tramp or very yeah. much like, I was going to say, it's not Romeo and Juliet, but like you know, two worlds colliding. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, these two worlds colliding. And like yeah. really deep down, Lily's got like a grungy side to her. And yeah. as much as Rufus acts like he doesn't like material things, he lives in a freaking $3 million loft in Brooklyn. Like, and runs a gallery and, and is all that art. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. they're both lying to themselves. They're the perfect yeah. match. Yeah. No, I, I I really enjoy it, uh, and she does like the painting, which is good. Yeah. So, Chuck is recovering post post party. Uh, he's unlocking mm-hmm. the valuables. I guess he just doesn't trust his friends with the valuables, or he doesn't trust the escorts he hired with the valuables. Either way, it's not. Yeah, hence why I put the key in the very secure spot and didn't keep <laughs> yeah. the key, and just didn't keep the key on his person, on his key ring, or like in his wallet, or like in a pocket, or. With the go down, give it to the office, you know, mm-hmm. Chuck, give it to your dad. Give it to so Dexter. So many options. Yeah. Yeah. Dexter, like, Dexter could use it. Yeah. Like, so many ways you could have solved that. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's That's- not a plot hole I want to point out. This isn't a plot hole. Or this isn't an issue I take with Glossop. Again, I just didn't study film to this level. So I'm sure there's a layer that I'm missing because of my ignorance. Of is course. what I want to point out. Well, it, it's not so much studying film as studying screenwriting. Sure, great. See, even then, didn't even know that. So there you go. This is why I shouldn't judge. Uh, I like that he opens up the drawer for all the valuables, notices they're gone, and immediately goes, Carter. Like, he, he knows Carter must be involved. None Chuck of my... Up. Chuck despite, despite the fa- fact that he hid them from his friends, he was very aware that his friends might steal them. He goes, no, no, 
Carter did it. Except there's the, this is the only time it comes up. There's no point to this otherwise. It's like, I don't even, anyway. He calls Nate, or he sends Nate a text. And it's like, where the I hell really are you? I really want to defend it. And I'm really struggling to come up with a way to defend that. I'm really struggling. I'm trying so hard. You can't, can you? Not yet. Keep going. I'll come back to it. All right. It'll come up. I'm sure it'll come up again. Either way, he texts <laughs> this is Nate. A, this is a DM whose plot hole's just been found by their yeah. party trying to work out. Oh, shit, 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 shit. Quick, move to another scene before uh, they realise. Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it is. Uh, he, he texts Nate and it's just like, where are you? It's like... Mm. It's, it's, yeah. Anyway, he's checking up on his boyfriend uh, and Nate responds with, with the restaurant location. He's like, yeah, the five-star restaurant Queens. Uh, and Nate is winning at poker after he tells Chuck where he mm-hmm. is. And I think he's like five grand up or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's like, yeah, let's just quit while we're ahead. I just won five grand. Time to go. And Basin's like, no, man, now yeah. is when it gets good. This is when. Yeah. Um, Classic. Th- this is when like the real hands start to come in and people start to bet real money, stick around for another couple and very obviously gives everyone else at the table like this little nod of, yeah, a wink. Uh, mm-hmm. Nate does not notice at all because Nate's perception is shit. <laughs> and I want to, yeah. I actually, I like the idea of gambling stuff in D&D, particularly when it's rigged. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. while you should never, as a game master, cheat your players, when mm-hmm. they cheat all the time in gambling mm-hmm. games, you should. You should definitely cheat back at them. Mm. I saw uh, a good one. Actually, I've written one down today that I was just researching that was a luck game where you roll two dice. You're with a lepre- it's, it says against like a leprechaun, but it could be really anything. You've got to roll two dice. And mm-hmm. the deal is if you roll exactly a seven the leprechaun will give you like all their gold stash. But if you roll anything other than a seven, they get to choose one magical item on your person, anything they want to take. Oh yeah. I love Which that. I was one. like, Ooh, that's kind of yeah. cool. Cause they could choose anything. Yeah. And you could really like mess up, like not even by taking the most powerful item necessarily, but taking like part of something or like taking like some components. Like imagine if you're a cleric and you just take someone's diamond components, mm-hmm. like, because it's technically Great. treasure. It's like it's worth a thousand gold. They're mine now. Yeah. Yeah. Have fun getting that. I guess back. technically it's not magic though, is it? Oh. Right, you can write out your own rules. Yeah. But no, I love, and I love dice games. I love skill, um, what do you call them? Like any type of skill game in D&D, I love those as well. Like archery competitions and yeah. fighting pits that are rigged and all that kind of stuff too. I find the archery competitions and like challenges like that, like a boxing match mm. are a lot skill easier. Skill challenges. Yeah, they're a lot easier to run than say playing 21 or playing a, some sort of yeah. luck-based gambling game simply mm. because as a game master you can't guarantee what you're going to get unless you just cheat or have a, a set thing of what's going to happen yeah. and um what was the other one alternatively and it also kind of becomes if you want to just play poker it becomes yeah. well now you're just playing <laughs> poker you're just you're not playing D&D anymore. It's like your characters are playing poker, but we're just playing poker yeah. back and forth and bluffing each other and, and anting up fake money. Yeah. It's like we could just we yeah. could do that anyway. We don't need the facade of D&D yeah. to do that. <laughs> yeah. And it's totally. usually it's usually just one 
play a character as well doing it. Like the whole group doesn't go to the casino. It's usually one person. It's like, well, yeah. we could play the six or seven hands that you actually play and work out how much you actually win, or we can roll a dice for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which See how is, that whole thing goes. It's not as realistic, but it's it's more fun for everyone else at the table rather than sitting there like, great, another hand, huh? Yep, this is a great yeah. Red Dead Redemption 2 simulator. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. I do I don't totally agree with what you say about how like as you as a DM when your players try to constantly like BS you, uh you yeah. definitely need to give it back occasionally. But yeah. then also on the flip side, I find as soon as you do that once, they become suspicious of absolutely everything and everyone, but then you also spend any time you introduce an NPC, you spend 5 minutes of insight checks. And you're yeah. like, guys, it's just a nice little kobold just trying to sell you a bread roll. Like Oh, I want to inside that kobold again. It's its name's Bill, like Biller it's, the kobold. He he still has a bread roll. Yeah, like it's, there's nothing. I don't know what you're wanting. Okay, go for it. Yep, cool. still the same kobold. Yep. Great. Yep. You know he he wants your money. Yes, to yeah. pay for the bread. Yeah, yeah. For for an exchange of goods. This is exchange how trade of goods works. and services. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I do like the passage of time in this episode too, that we've mm. seen, well, we saw Blair wake up and the fact that we're now jumping over to Nate, it is meant to be the same time. Like this is the next mm. morning and Nate is still playing poker, yeah. which is kind of a nice little yeah. touch that he's been there for a while and does kind of explain yeah. why he wants to go home. He's been there all night uh, and he's yeah. won five grand. Yeah. So the, because it is the next morning, Blair is arriving at the shoot uh, to to mm-hmm. watch the, the skinny bitch. Uh, and find Serena, dun, dun, dun. the other skinny bitch. Uh, there, I, I shouldn't say that. That's not nice. Uh, sees her doing posing, taking shots, do, not that kind of shot, uh, having photos taken of her. And, oh, again, my heart. Poor Blair. She's yeah. devastated, disgusted even as yeah. Serena doesn't understand anything that's going on. Serena's all sweetness and light as she always is. And just like, Blair, you're finally here. What the hell? What's going on? Why are you so late? Runs after her mm. and Blair loses it. They mm. finally get to have. And help. rightly so. Yeah. Well, mm. she's yelling, <laughs> she's yelling at the wrong person, but she's, she's, she's um, vindicated in being, feeling that way. Mm. yeah yeah uh and she does clear the air she does say all the things about serena that piss her off uh yeah most notably the fact that she feels that serena steals the spotlight constantly Mm. yeah and that everything kind of comes to her and and this is as well the first time because dan's like yeah dan's just i don't know if we actually see him or if we like if it's if it's up, but like he's just kind of in the. So this is the first time that I think I'm like, aha, this was perfect for him to be Gossip Girl because of course he, that's the perfect person to be there. And in a way, almost, how do Blair and Serena not pick up on the fact that, like, that would be a pretty good if this is early on into the Gossip Girl days. Well, yeah, but Gossip Girl doesn't. Assuming it is, we don't know anything about Gossip Girl writing about this this moment. Well, we get the voiceover, but is the voiceover what yeah. appears in a blog or is that just a narrative device to show what's happening? That's actually in the a show? really good question. I've always assumed if it's Kristen Bell, it's yeah. on the site. Okay. Maybe 
So wait, does that mean that, hang on. No, it has to be because otherwise, does that mean that the voiceover is what Dan's internal monologue sounds like to himself? Oh, my God, it would. So let's just say it has to be the website because otherwise that is so disconcerting to think that when Dan talks to himself, he sounds like Kristen Bell. (laughs) He's got a separate personality that sounds like Kristen Bell. Oh, my God, he is a serial killer. Okay, we'll say that that's what gets written on the site. And that does, well, the reason I don't think that's the case, because when we see what Gossip Girl writes, it is not that, I don't want to say coherent, it's certainly not that eloquent as the, the voiceover we get. Yeah. So maybe this is our, our Dan is Gossip Girl moment. Let me tell you a bit about a guy called Dan. Got a crush on Serena Vanderwood saying, Still, he'll spread rumors about it any way he can. Oh, that's right, he's Gossip Girl. I don't know if you heard, but Dan is poor. He hangs around the rich kids, sometimes sucks him in the jaw. But that ain't enough, so he calls one a whore. Oh, that's right, he's Gossip Girl. Dan is a nice guy, he wouldn't hurt a dove, but he gets real mean when push comes to shove. He's a borderline sociopath, but he does it for love. That's right, he's Gossip Girl. That's right, Dan, he's a Gossip Girl. Also think about, though, if Dan is Gossip Girl, what he might be thinking, okay, so what he's made, maybe that's like a draft, and then he, like, has to make it, you know, for news, right, 24-hour news cycle. we got to make it short and snappy. It's not about having the most beautiful writing. But yeah. also then the more I think about that, that doesn't check with Dan's writing style. He's not the type of guy. This is so confusing. It is because he's not actually Gossip Girl, and this is just an ass pull by the writers later no, on. No, no. We, we will jam no. it in. We'll make it fit. But he does overhear... Um, Blair's tantrum, let's call it what it is, her rant, her her shouting match with with Serena. And I think this is where he starts to understand a little bit more um, exactly what Blair goes through. Yeah. Um, About their world. Yeah. The other world. Yeah. And Serena, well, Blair walks past him and realises, great, you heard that, fantastic, and storms off. And Serena sees him as well and is like, "Just, just not now, Dan. Uh, she storms back up to see Eleanor and quits. It's like, mm. nah, not cool. Not cool, Eleanor. Yeah. Wait, would have yeah. waved her finger in her face if it wasn't very rude to do that. Yeah. I do think Blair brings up a good point, though, about the whole, like, you didn't question it when, like, I wasn't in hair and makeup and, like, you didn't, you didn't question it. The when, call like, sheet it wasn't on there. My name's not there. None of that. No. Just kind of. Serena doesn't think they also imagine. Through. Yeah, but I can also imagine she might have been like, where's Blair? And someone just kind of went, oh, she's coming. And Serena goes, yeah. okay. That's ex- I think that's exactly what she said happened. <laughs> yeah, so I guess. And I'm I- saying this with the Asian wisdom of, you know, someone who, I, if I think back to me as a teenager, I would have definitely not, I would have serenaded it. I think a lot of people sure. would have serenaded it. Serena does kind of think the best of anyone and just assume that everything will work out. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that, that totally tracks. And she's like, oh, yeah, Blair's coming because, you know, she would have called if there was something wrong. Why, mm. why would there be an issue? 
Um, and I like the Dan, even though he's watched his his girlfriend, well, his love interest, walk up and, and storm away and all this. He still goes up to the roof to, like, talk to her. And then when Serena walks off, Eleanor's like, who the hell are you? This random yeah. young man yeah. walking onto my, my photo shoot. Who are you? What are you doing here? He's like, I don't even know. I'm just going to go. Yeah. I kind of wish that was a reoccurring motif. Like, where every time he just walks into a room, it's just like, who are you? Why yeah. are you here? For, like, the whole first season. Kind of like how Chuck was in the first two episodes. Like, who is this guy? Yes. Like, why is he here? Yeah. He punched me. I know this guy somehow, but I I can't remember. Yeah. Another cinematic brilliance. Uh, I would say, you know, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to call it probably better than Gossip Girl is this amazing movie by Tommy Wiseau called The Room. Of course. Uh, which yes. I know off air we've spoken about. Yeah. And there's a scene that whenever a t- character walks in that we aren't sure, the whole audience will yell out, who the hell are you? And it's beautiful. And that is why Gossip Girl is cinematic brilliance because it's that engagement with the audience for you to participate in the viewing actively that really, you know, locks in and locks in a viewer. I do believe that Tommy Wiseau was uh, influenced by, by Gossip Girl. I will give you that. Tommy, he's influenced by a lot of things. That okay. guy. Just, I mean, we should do a whole separate. Once we've seen the movie, we will do for, a whole separate deep for the dive. Patreon. For the Patreon, we'll do, <laughs> we'll do the. No, you know what? We don't even have to go anywhere. It'll just be just a Wednesday night. I'll have a three-hour discussion, yeah. <laughs> breaking down that piece of because that's my favorite movie. It goes the room, and then Moulin Rouge, and then I don't know. Then it gets a bit hazy. Maybe Enchanted, but. This you is know, an eclectic mix. Solid viewing. Very, very good. Solid All right. Right in. Sorry. I'm back uh, on the road. Back on right, the road. Right in, listeners. If you want us to do the room <laughs> RPG. Um, <gasps> yes. Yeah. We, if you if you ask for it, we will do it. I'm going to set up fake email accounts. So you just wait. You're going to get 20 emails. But they'll come tomorrow because I won't realize that this doesn't go out live. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, I wonder like who that 20, was. <laughs> 20 anonymous emails, just a flood. Because uh, uh, I get the, anyway. Uh, uh, speaking of flooding. Yes. See. Segway, beautiful. Okay. I know, it's great, isn't it? I'm a professional at this. You are, you're e- excellent. Because I'm really testing you out. I think this is good for you. This it is, is great. This is it helping is. you. It's just- <laughs> it is. I'm learning so much from from this. After Dan's little encounter with Eleanor Waldorf, he goes down and finds Serena mm. and we get, well, speaking of um, cinematic techniques, we see the, the silhouette of Serena undressing behind a mm. screen. And mm. I'm, I feel like this is probably referencing something, maybe Breakfast at Tiffany's. I hope it's not referencing Bad News Blairs. Um, and yeah, I, there is, there's a motif that comes through in a number of these episodes of Dan watching Serena undress or being near Serena as she undresses. And I feel mm. that this is kind of a holdover from the books, which is very much a, mm. a teenage thing of, oh my God, the person I'm interested in is getting naked near me. It's, it's... Except she's not. She's like taking off the dress and putting on jeans and that's it. Uh, and she doesn't want any of this shit. She doesn't want Dan to talk about it. He doesn't, she does like, yep, you know what? Don't know what happened. I'm going to deal with it. Just, just shut up, Dan. Just shut up. I yeah. don't. I don't want to hear it right now. <laughs> you wouldn't understand, Daniel. Yeah. You're not of this world. Yeah. 
That's kind of what you she's saying. Know. It's like, you don't know what's yeah. going on here. You don't understand why this is so important to me or to Blair. Yeah. And he does a good thing. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, not right now. He is a bit of a twat because he kind of takes Blair's side and is like, why are you in the spotlight? This is kind of what you do, isn't it? Uh, but yeah. then he goes and finds Blair. Mm-hmm. And he finds her kind of not sobbing, but certainly down in the dumps. Uh, yeah. And she's snarky at him because that's what she does. <laughs> and he I sits- wouldn't sit this close to you usually without a tetanus shot. I know, it's great. Uh, I do like that he decides to open up to Blair. He has his um, his vulnerable moment of saying, mm. so, yeah, my parents split and my dad and my sister don't accept that my mother's not coming back. And I'm mm. very aware that she's not coming back. And every time I go to tell her I know what's happening, I don't. Mm. Um, yeah, that's a nice little scene between them. Yeah, I, I like, like it as well with this thing. So it starts off with him standing above her too, where he because he really at this moment he has the higher ground. Like this oh, is yeah. the first time we've seen Blair be quote unquote weak around yeah. him, and instead of standing over her, and really he could take a pot shot, um, he sits down with her on the ground. And I was like, mm. oh, Daniel, you little psycho killer. That's nice. I he sits down opposite her too, like at a, at yeah. A, at a perpendicular angle. If we really want to get into it, I mean, this is a great scene. Great. This really is the best. This is the highlight of the episode, nearly for me. There's one better scene for it, but um, that's that's later on. But Mm -hmm. them sitting down here, that they're never going to be, they're never going to see things the same way. Mm. That they're just at crossways all the time. So them sitting perpendicular (gasps) to each other, they're looking in different directions, but they're able to come across and they meet at a certain point. And this is the point where they meet. And again, that he comes down to her level. He doesn't try to sit beside her and comfort her. He's just like, I understand you in this moment. And that is what you need. You don't need a friend saying everything's going to be fine. It's this, I will say, is a well-written scene and well done to Joshua Safran, well done to Penn Badgley, well done to Leighton Meester. Second best scene of the episode. Yeah, and this is why, again, it's just won so many awards, <laughs> such as Teen Choice Runner-Up 2007. For a supporting actress, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the painting got a got an award. I'm sure um, it did, actually. We probably hired a painter that's done quite a lot of things. I, um, I, I keep saying I liked it. I did really like this one. I think this is the quiet moments yeah. in an RPG where you do. You see the backstory of people and they find that connection. You find out why they adventure mm. together and or why mm. they should help the NPC, that you draw yeah. on those those elements of common ground. And if have you, you had get, that moment as a player? Where as a player, I have a like... ton of times. As a game master, never. <laughs> Your BBG starts monologuing and they're like, nope. Nope, time to die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, as a player, I've been able to have it a few times, mostly with uh, with the NPC, not often with other people at the table because I'm always very ah. aware that I don't want to monopolize time uh, when I'm a player. I do that when I'm the game master. When I'm the game master, I'm monopolizing all the time. I, I'm yeah, everywhere. Right. So I get that feel then. When I'm the player, I like those little moments, but I don't want to – I want other people to have the spotlight for a bit. I'm not Serena. I give up the spotlight. 
Does that mean you're a, a you you're a Dan? Why would you hurt me that way? <laughs> um, I mean, I didn't say you're a Chuck. That's you're Rufus. Maybe you're a Rufus. I don't want to say it, but I feel like I'm a knight. <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't know uh... if that's I don't know if that's uh, big headed of me to say I'm I'm the pretty dumb boy, but I kind of feel like I'm the knight. Nate is very sweet. Nate is very sweet. Speaking of Nate, he has uh, lost all mm. of his money. Oh, that's not true. He has yeah. um, lost a lot of his money, not enough to cover the bet yes. that he's up to. Uh, he, yeah. he needs to, to match this this um, ante. I'm not sure where they're at at the, the point. Uh, and he says, well, c- can I borrow some money? Um, Bazin kind of convinces him to. Um, mm. Says, look, look, it's it's fine. You get it. And of course he loses because the whole card game is rigged to to fleece a rich kid like him. Uh, And he's like, look, all right, that sucked, but I'll get you the money. It might take me a couple of days to to pull it all together. And Bazin suddenly just goes on the offensive. He's like, no, man, fucking snap your fingers and get us the money. Yeah. Come on, rich boy. I called daddy or something. Yeah. I can't remember the exact Yeah. Yeah, He's like, you're an Archibald. Just get the money. And Nate twigs very... Well done, Nate. Actually, realizing yeah. when it's almost done, when it's almost spelled out for him directly um, that Bazon set all of this up, and he gets mad. He's not like worried about being surrounded by criminals and ne'er do wells. He's like, no, I'll fucking smash you guys. I'll mess you up. Mm. Uh, however, Chuck shows up. Yeah. Uh, Chuck to the rescue because uh, Nate would have got his ass handed to him and probably killed. Which would have looked and his kneecaps. Yeah, definitely his kneecaps or his thumbs. I think the thumbs would have been the one to go with. Ugh. Yeah, you just bre- you break one thumb and they can still like. Well, he doesn't need to work for a living. He's always going to have money, so he can break both of them and he's fine. Uh, what? I didn't know how to do that. That's all good. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is skirting way too close. I think to way too many things. <laughs> yeah, this show is really see as much as we joke about being super unrelatable. It's coming out that invisibly that might not be as much the case as we... <laughs> this show is going to be using evidence in my court trial, I'm sure. <laughs> so Chuck declares, look, I'm not going to call the police because you stole my baseball uh, if you mm-hmm. let Nate go right now. You'll get your money. Yeah. You won't get arrested for theft. You just don't hurt my boyfriend. Yeah. And Basin's like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> Bye. Which also to me, it's like, oh, yeah, anyway, not a plot hole, just an interesting choice. Yeah, there's a bit of an, uh, the, I wouldn't say a plot hole, but they're certainly holding the idiot ball and just saying, yeah. we're going to do what the plot demands because we have to. Yeah. The fact that Carter's like, yep. Yep, sure, whatever. I guess we don't want the police involved in this technically yeah, legal card I think game Nate threatened yeah i'm pretty sure that nate mentioned something like threatened to call or do like when when he's getting all like he's like i'll call i'll tell someone about what you're doing and then they're like no you won't you gotta call your dad and then chuck comes in and goes i'll call the cops he's like oh shit oh no all right mr bass yeah we're, yeah it's this is not as well written as the previous scene although although again this is only because i have forward knowledge I have watched the series yep. multiple times. There is a difference between 
the Archibald family and the Bass family is all I'll say. So maybe Chuck's word does have more clout to Carter, who would know. Yeah, all right. The like. Yeah, I'll. I'll you know I'll pay that. I'll pay that once Chuck okay, gets involved. So there we go. Uh, and Nate, yeah. Nate does want to pay Chuck back. He's um. Yes. Chuck basically just kind of covers him immediately. Well, I, maybe that's why that Chuck just walked in and said, "Cool, yeah. I'll cover the bet. We don't need to call fucking anyone." Yeah. I've got this in my yeah. in my hip pocket because I carry yeah. around that much cash. Yeah. Uh, and Nate's yeah. like, you know what? I will pay you back. Uh, and Chuck's like, yeah. you don't Here, yeah. you don't have to. A blowjob will be fine. It's it's okay. <laughs> and no, but then Nat just he's just very casual. He's like, just let me transfer that twenty five thousand dollars to you, yeah, my friend right Chuck. Now. Here, just let me. Yeah. Well, okay. I want because he has to do it before. The captain figure out figures out it's gone, like that's kind mm. of his thing. He needs to pay him now, and then move some money around yeah. so it's not noticed. Except there's no money there. <gasps> what? Yeah, his trust fund the is Archibald's gone. Have no money. Well, no, Nate has no money. Like this is his trust fund that he's accessing early because mm. he just doesn't have a bank account that he can he can go into. It's like this is this is his thing, and he causes. Uh, and he calls his accountant not to find out what a trust fund is, though I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> he calls his accountant, who is actually surprised that he's calling at all because the the trust fund was drained. Um, his dad, yeah. the captain Howard, called him, called the accountant, and said, "Yeah, Nate's mm-hmm. fine with it. We're we're taking a little money out. So something's going yeah. on. Something's going. Wait. It's sus." That's a, Super sus. that's what you call a plot hook right there. That's just putting a little. Yep. I think that Nate's going to investigate. Mm. And back at the shoot. Well, we, we won't see any more. Mm-hmm. We won't see any more of this little plot hole. This plot. We won't see any more of this little plot hook because that's for future episodes. Uh, where the yes. episode's kind of drawing to yes. a close. So we need a bit of yes. a denouement. And Blair goes to Eleanor. Uh, and basically confronts her mm. with the whole situation. Yeah. Uh, Eleanor trying to explain, oh, it wasn't really, it's it's so such a problem. There's, I'm so disappointed that they decided to go with Serena instead. I didn't know. And Blaze is like, no, why? Why are you lying, mother? Mother, why do you lie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Eleanor just drops a facade entirely. As soon as she knows that Blair knows, she's like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Eleanor Waldorf, stone cold bitch right now. Pretty impressed, to tell the truth. Yeah. I mean, well, apples don't fall far from the tree, right? Yeah. Like, Blair had to learn it somewhere. Yeah. Um, but you think Blair would have clued in? She would have, like, learned what her mother does and know, knew when she was being played, but no. No, I think we've realized yeah, the, the but real mother-daughter queen relationships are, mother Mother-daughter relationships are always super fascinating in so many different texts. Mm. You know, there's always an interesting dynamic there. I think, yeah, we'll get into that with a number of, <laughs> number of future episodes, I feel. Because yeah. that is going to be yeah. a theme in this show for a while. I mean, the yeah. fact that... But kudos to Blair for, you know, standing up for herself and yeah. having a voice. Yeah, I'm sure she will never do it again <laughs> with her mother. 
Because yeah. this is one of those shows where things are learned and then they're forgotten the next episode. Yeah, oh, it's gross. You know, it takes time. You've got to, like, true. the whole, like, you know, mountains and hills. That's true. That's true. It's a, Life is a journey. Yeah. As Dan goes back to the roof, uh, he has found some craft services and he's going to apologize to Serena for being kind of a tool mm-hmm. and telling her, hey, maybe you don't try to steal the spotlight all the time. Um, sorry, I judged yeah. you in that way. That's um, yeah. good. Fucking finally you apologize, Dan. It's about time you, you got around to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Serena's like, thank you. Ask me out again. It's like, we, we missed the last time. And they, they are very cute yeah. here. Because she promises this yeah. time it'll work. And he's like, well, you promise. That means it's not going to happen. Yeah. She's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, and he asks her out. Well, he doesn't even ask her out. He just says, we're going out at this time. Yeah. And Blair just goes, yeah, I suppose she can see you then. And yeah. the the very grudging seal of approval from Blair that her friend and Dan can date. Yes. It's like, I, I yeah, like she that. She has, like, she has given her blessing. She has. Pope Blair. In a Blairy way. Rather than Queen Blair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Dan leaves to prepare for the date, probably. <laughs> it's like, not for a week, but we know how Dan likes to get yeah. places early. Yeah. He's got to mentally prepare, get make sure he's got a spot. And yeah. now we have my favourite scene of the episode, honestly. This last little sequence with Blair and Serena... Uh, this cu- in the dresses that defy gravity. Yeah, yeah. I assume they're just like velcroed on um, or super oh, yeah. glued on. Yeah, for sure. It's not so much about the dresses for me, as you may have understood that I have no idea about fashion. More <laughs> so, again, this feels like accurate team portrayal that they steal the dresses that mm. Eleanor was going to use for the shoot. These are basically her new spring line or whatever. Run out wearing two of them into the park and just start taking selfies and cute photos and playful stuff together. Mm. The fact that this is going to be a huge problem for Eleanor's fashion line. No, we're going to forget about that. This is dumb teenager shit. And I am so there for it because they look happy and they look like actual friends for once. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, it's it's definitely super high energy and super cute. I just can't get over the fact that I don't know how those dresses stay up, and the fact that the belt comes above the low cut back. I I just can't look past it. It's beautiful though. <laughs> the Waldorf line, the shoulder, the like the, the, the like chest up photos, lovely. It's just whenever I see the back of those things, I'm like, what is that? Uh, that wouldn't possibly work. Apparently, the Waldorf line has a very specific aesthetic, and it's um, <laughs> it's the wicked line of defying gravity. <laughs> See, I can make Broadway references too, you know. Uh, I'm I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. It's uh please. I it didn't go unnoticed. Mm. What uh, But no, it is a beautiful scene. Yeah. Not to be uh, I'll take the snuff yeah, but it is super cute. Yeah. It just it definitely feels like the start of like that's the end of that arc. Yeah. And now they can start like really start afresh. They've got a clean slate now. Mm. I feel like I'm just going to say they've got a clean slate every time they have a fight and make up yeah. because I feel this is the arc yeah. words for Serena and Blair. Clean slate. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh start. Yeah. Fresh start. Yeah. And yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no set amount of clean slates one can have. It's true. There's no clean slate inventory. That's true. There's just a pile of broken ones out the back. 
Yeah. That's how I have to deal with learning habits. If I started to think I only had so many, I would never try anything ever again. Mm. Yeah. Now, one thing that I didn't actually mention while we were doing the recap of the episode, but mm. that I really like, I really like a lot of things in this episode. As I said, it's my favorite one so far. Nate mm-hmm. and Chuck's storyline doesn't cross over with the other storyline in any way. Mm-mm. This is a great example of splitting the party right. Mm. That yeah. there was never any moment where one story... <laughs> she's laughing. I'm not sure why. No, because I'm just thinking, because, like, yeah, so Chuck and Nate had their story, Dan and, like, these girls, and then Jenny is that one player at the table who got forgotten about that didn't go with either side that just has to sit there awkwardly for the whole, like, three hours being like... <laughs> It's, it's fine. Um, I'm good, guys. I'll just, I'll just, I'll see you next week. It's fine. <laughs> and the game master at the end of the session is like, oh, shit, I'm so sorry. Uh, I just got caught up in that. Look, maybe you were off visiting your mother for like, like the week. Yeah. 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 It's fine. I'm, it's, uh, that's on me. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah. real. Look, anyway, we'll, do, yes, we'll do a Jenny focus. Like- we'll do a Jenny focus session next week. I yeah, promise. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to play one of the NPCs? You can play Bex or something. No, that's weird. <laughs> She's going to be flirting with your father. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I 100% agree with what you're saying. It's just, it's, it's that. Oh, it tracks so well. It's so perfect. Mm. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm saying. That They've just kind of split up and yeah, yeah, it kind of works because can you see Blair's player doing the scene, uh, playing the Carter character in this situation? It's like, oh, "Oh, we're going to somewhere else. What if you play this NPC? And likewise, what if Chuck's player plays the photographer trying to convince Eleanor of... Uh, uh, mm. So, yeah, I like that this is a an episode where the two storylines don't connect at all, but they still form a coherent, yeah. balanced narrative about friendship. Hmm. Yeah. Friendship, yeah. the real winner, the real hero, yeah. the real treasure. Definitely. Two, two groups of people where they probably each want to have sex with each other, with Nate and Chuck and... <laughs> Serena and Dan and a little bit Blair. And Blair? A little bit Blair. There's a there's an odd mm. energy sometimes between Serena and Blair. Hmm. Never between and Blair think and Dan, Dan. Dan and Blair potentially. Potentially, but but never. Yeah. <laughs> but never. Hmm. So that is this week's episode. We got through it. Well done us. Concise. Concise very, again. Very concise, as we always are. We're not done yet. There mm-hmm. is the final part of each episode where we yes. pick a character from the show we have just watched and explain why we would put or how we would put them into the role playing game that we are running, either as a player character or as a non player character. Uh, I mm-hmm. will go first, if you don't mind. Unless mm-hmm. you've got one that you really want to go Please. into. Because it of that amazing Broadway reference, I'll allow it. Thank you so much. I am doing that because we've actually already discussed my pick for the uh, for the week. Uh, my... Is it Bex? No. No, I think I might pick Bex <laughs> later uh, once she's got a personality. And my pick is mm-hmm. Eleanor Waldorf. I yeah. am picking Eleanor Waldorf. And I had thought, how would you make a fashionista bard? Uh, and it wasn't mm-hmm. until we were recording this very episode that I realized, no, Artificer, 
That's where you'd go with it. Yeah. But that idea yeah. of making her a villain, making her that that mm. backstory villain, the the wicked stepmother almost, who will yeah. th- they they need to look up to because a figure of yeah. authority or might have that bond or connection, but is constantly belittling them and you know eventually mm. will be a villain um, in the, the adventure. Mother, what's the one from Rapunzel? Oh, Mother Gothel. Sorry. Mother, yeah. 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 Because that's the idea because she, like, gives all these backhanded compliments to Rapunzel all the time. Yeah. And then laughs it off. But because because she is so conniving and scheming that it would be, you can't always trust her. And it does seem like she's honest up front about things. Mm. And sometimes she would be. Mm. But a lot of the, but it is mm. always down to her goals at the end of the day. So mm. I feel that, that as an MP, her as an NPC will be very interesting. I feel it might be hard to make her a PC. I don't think it'd be impossible. It would just sort of be the same sort of goals, and particularly with the artificer idea. Maybe that she's. Maybe it's that you play her as a PC that has like a uh, you know estranged relationship with their daughter, and the whole thing is about them coming to a place where they can repair that or something. Ooh. I don't know. I always feel like my PCs need to have like a an arc. I need to have a, a, a full plan of like, okay, I'm making a, I'm making someone shit, yeah. But because in my head I see them, I see the opportunity for them to go here. I agree. I do the same thing. I have. I yeah. will admit, I do have a character that's sort of based on Blair. Um, and a number of characters like uh, Blair Waldorf in other shows. There's no other Blair. There's no other Blair Waldorf. There are a number of the, the broken bird, adorable girl in in teen shows is not no. is not uncommon. I've I've never seen it before. Put it that way. And yeah, I feel I that that is my Eleanor Waldorf is my choice. I might be going a bit early on this one. Sure. I probably could pick Eleanor later yep. in the show or in the in the season. Mm-hmm. But uh, for now, I'm mm-hmm. going with. I probably could have picked the the nameless photographer. Uh, oh well, because he's snarky. funny. You should say it. That's who I was going to pick. <gasps> did you did you pick the nameless photographer? I did because I love having an NPC that makes fun of my uh, player characters. <laughs> Uh, I like having an antagonizing NPC, uh, you know, A, to see how long it takes till they stab them. Yeah. Um, but B, like mostly, especially once you get to certain levels, right, you're regarded as heroes and everyone freaking worships the ground you, you walk on. There's nothing better than them finally meeting someone who actually doesn't care mm-hmm. and actually doesn't think they're that great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's just fun. There's, I have no further deep seeding onto that other than I just sometimes like to have a character that I can just pick fun at my players at. I think it would really, um, he's kind of like the jester in this scene, that he he's flattering enough to the, the people who need yeah. to be flattered to, but also bite, he's Simon Cowell, basically. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. yeah. I'm going yeah, to check, he's played by Peter O'Brien, and I'm certain that he's done similar sort of roles through the years. We'll do a very quick Google since I can do that as well. <laughs> he's Australian. Yeah. Good on him. He was born in South Australia. He's in Wolverine. The fuck? Oh. There you go. He's in Glow. He's really good in Glow, if I remember correctly. He's in The Bill. He was in Water Rats. There's the 
the thing we need to know <gasps> from. Water rats. Yeah. Oh, did we talk about Blue Healers? We did. Previously? We talked about Blue Healers last week. Oh my gosh, such a great show. Yeah. I tell you what, that's again. Did we say that's the next thing after we've done this? Mm. Three hundred and fifty episodes of Blue Healers. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have stockholm syndrome you're gonna love gossip girl by the end of this purely based off stockholm syndrome how many hours you've spent talking about it that your brain will be just mentally rewired to like it possibly possibly mm. that is all you heard of here first jeremy will say it is a masterpiece before the end of this series that is all from us for this week uh please <laughs> please tune in next week uh where we will be reviewing or well, recapping Episode five from season one, Daredevil. I will point out that it is very specifically two separate words. It's not just Daredevil, the Ben Affleck 2005 film. Mm -hmm. And we would love it if you subscribed to the podcast because that way you can get every single episode in its massive, overly long glory as we go through each of these episodes of Gossip Girl. Thank you so much for sticking with us. If you did want to find us online and make comments about um, how we might be able to stay on the rails and some of the ideas that you've had about role-playing games from what we've said, uh, you can send us messages or you can send me messages at dndntvpod. That's on Instagram and Twitter. Or you can chuck in at gmail.com on the end of it and send me an email. Meek, where can people hassle you about not having seen the movies that I mentioned you hadn't seen? Uh, they can find me on uh, Instagram at blushing underscore bard. And they should also not forget to send you multiple emails about how we should do an extra special room episode. Hey, I'm, I'm not averse to doing a room episode. Amazing. It's going to be, it's going to be great. Multiple. I mean, here's the thing. The room goes for like two and a half hours and we take how long to go through a 45 minute episode. Oh my God. So that means we'd have to commit to like a nine hour deep cut discussion. Of the room. All right. Patreon subscribers, hit us I up. I feel like that's a charity stream or something. Yeah. It, it just We could just do a um, a direct commentary over the top of it. I feel that that would be, that would actually stay on time for once. <laughs> because once the movie no, ended. And it would absolutely pause it. Oh, yeah, we for sure. We would have to pause it for sure. It was like, oh, yeah, we're at um, two minutes and 10 seconds and we paused it for 10 minutes while we discussed <laughs> yeah, the, the, the font of the... Yeah. Of the title cards. So ready. So ready. So th anyway, that is, but yes, no, that is, do that. That is where you can find us online. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Please tune in next week. Stay safe. Be kind to yourselves. May all your hits be crits. I'm sorry. Bye. <laughs>